Holtman, before we start this episode, I wanted to play a new guessing game with you. Ooh, guessing game. It's called Can You Guess? Can You Guess? Can You Guess? The Thing. The Thing. Yeah, The Thing. Okay. So like it's, it's open-ended. It's uh, Every time we play this, it's going to be something else. All right. This particular I would time. I wouldn't be guessing the same thing each time. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, it's going to be it. different. Yeah, it's going to be right. new and fresh. This time is I'm going to play a Nissan commercial, and I want you to tell me what year this commercial aired. Okay. Yeah, what year? I want you to try and narrow it down. The music might be a giveaway. Nissan shapes the hard bodies. Nissan King Cabs are built bigger. Nissan King Cabs are built smarter. Nissan King Cabs are built wider. This King Cab is <laughs> Nissan's roomiest ever with more lockable storage space and new fold-down jump seats that hide away. Fuel injected hard bodies. You need a hard body. Hurry, get 6.7 factory-sponsored <laughs> truck financing on any... You need hard body. Well, and you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like uh, there should be David Hasselhoff running down the beach beside the you truck. You know what's funny is there was a bikini-clad girl. When the guy folded down the seat, she was right next to him. All right, so that, what color was the bikini? Uh, oh, let me, let, me, let me scroll back and take a I look. I think that says a lot the about the The color of the bikini is, is... neon pink? Ooh, it's not neon. It's kind of... Uh, oh, but it's a metallic sheen to it. A metallic sheen. To her bikini. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask any questions about uh, the truck? her? Her, 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 um, the bottoms of her bikini, very high straps on the sides. Okay. They go all the way up and over her. And head. what? What's the guy wearing? Oh, what's the guy wearing? The guy is wearing. Is it jeans or is it like jams uh, or something like that? Remember the, jams? Oh no, the guy's wearing. Um, oh, I, I, you can't tell. I can't see because the body line of the truck is too high. What's his shirt? Is he shirtless? He is shirtless. Does he have a gold chain? Uh, there is no gold chain. Does he have a perm? Uh, he does have curly hair. Does yes. he have a mustache? Uh, does not have a mustache. Okay, so uh, and this is clearly a hard body king cab because That's it's talking correct. about the fold down jump seats. Right. All right. There um, is a guy in the back seat inexplicably when they're driving away with a mullet. In the back seat, mm-hmm. and he fits back there. Mm, it looks like he could be sitting sideways. <laughs> well, I think that's how those. Uh, I think that's how those were. Um, Oh, let's see. Um, how can you tell? Just how- in case you didn't know, we're playing. Can you guess? Can you guess? Can you guess the thing? Nissan right. Hardbody commercial. All right, I'm going to guess. And this, music. this King Cab is Nissan's roomiest ever with more lockable storage space and new fold down jump seats that hide away. Fuel injected hardbody. <laughs> you love Fuel that, injected don't you? Hardbody. Uh, okay, so if that's a uh, King Cab, yes, then it has to be a D twenty one truck, and mm. if it's not neon, and there's no mustache, but there's still a perm on the right. guy, then it's got to be like early nineties. Uh, no. Hmm. One more try. It's not early nineties, but it's a King Cab. That's correct. Hmm. For some reason, I unless thought... this video is incorrectly listed, but I doubt it is. Oh, I might have to. Uh, we might have to go to the judges on that one. Uh, um, well, I'm telling you that early '90s is incorrect. All right, then I'm going to go with 1987. Also incorrect, but damn close, uh, my friend. The correct answer is 1986. Uh, 
Now I have to uh, go back to my Nissan knowledge and I have to figure out uh, <laughs> what year the uh, the King Cab came out because uh, I'm I'm certainly I'm just saying. Now. Listen to this music. With more lockable storage space and new fold down jump seats that hide away. Fuel injected. You need a hard body. Oh my gosh, that was uh, you could never do a commercial like that today. <laughs> no, which is probably why that they are the presenting sponsor of our podcast, <laughs> and, and they, they look to us. Yeah, and to in thirty set the standard thirty years, somebody's going to listen to the show and go and play it on their whatever. <laughs> it won't be a podcast or radio; it'd be like a mind meld or something right, like that. Some three D projection in the middle of the room. Do you think that they could put a deck system in the back of that? I think it, yeah, I think they could have, yes. <laughs> Should we find somebody with a Nissan hard body and then hook them up with the uh, deck guys? I don't, I don't know that the deck guys would, uh, do they like retrofit older uh, older trucks? Well, yeah, because it's all modular, So, yeah. but I don't know if they have anything that thin, you know, in terms of the bed size. Oh, so, I Because they, gotcha. they were really mini trucks back then, right? right? So anyway, if damn uh, that was a, such a cool truck in the back uh, of the day. Oh yeah, sadly they don't make hard bodies anymore. But you can get a Frontier, which is the uh, most affordable truck in the U.S. And uh, check out the Nissan Titan and Titan XD because they got a five-year, one hundred thousand mile warranty, best yes. in the business. And uh, check out uh, the Nissan NV series of vans if uh, if you're into such things because I think you'll be impressed. I love me some vans. Visit uh, decked.com if you're looking for an awesome storage solution for the back of that uh, Nissan uh, Hardbody, Frontier, mm-hmm. uh, Titan, Titan XD, or NV Van. In fact, we've got a uh, deck system in the back of our Truck Trend NV2500. What's, we it, love it. what's it filled with? Um, Magazines? Nope. One side is filled with uh, tools like okay. jumper cables and battery charger and uh, just random tools. Okay. The other side is all six the- packs of beer. Uh, nope, nope, oh. also not true. Okay. The other side is things like, uh, you know, perishables like toilet paper okay. and uh, paper towels. Oh, smart. And uh, detail products. And I think one drawer might be filled with Pringles. <laughs> so I think we have a Pringles dedicated drawer, which okay. I, everybody should Pringles, have. Pringles, a... toilet paper, uh-huh. detail spray, uh-huh. and what was the other thing in the other drawer? Uh, tools, and tools. Bat- oh, battery tools. chargers, and uh, jumper cables. What an and... odd assortment of stuff in your But that's deck the thing system. about the deck system is uh, you can put anything you want in there. Lockable, yeah. weatherproof, and you still put 2,000 pounds on top. Yeah. Hey, uh, enough of this silliness. Why don't we start the show? Uh, no. Okay. I'm okay. going. I'm going home. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the truck show. We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck. Cause truck rides with. The truck show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck. It's the Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Yes, it is. Episode number 59. Is that correct, Holman? Oh, my gosh. 59. That seems like a lot. Are we sure? Um, not, Are we no, sure I'm not that sure. we have gotten into this studio 59 times? I, I, nope, that's not true because we've been remote a few times. Yeah. Mr. Gail Banks and SEMA and uh, Lone Star Throwdown. Lone Star Throwdown. Yeah, and we need to do some more. I think people liked it. We got a lot of uh, good responses from our uh, from our listeners, which was very cool. What do we have coming up on uh, the show? So I I was told that we have Quinn Poltz 
from 74 Weld. Now, you booked that guest. Yep. He's going to be walking into the studio any any minute now, and I, I suppose we should tidy up a little bit before he gets in here. Uh, yeah, we should probably uh, take all those hard-boiled eggs that you left behind from last week and uh, Yeah, I, I apologize. I left my lunchbox and, uh, <laughs> in here, and I've been trying to eat healthy. And not that you guys would know, because you don't know what we... Well, I guess you might have seen some of our social Maybe. pictures. I'm just I'm trying trying to cut, drop a couple LBs and cut out the carbs. And I left my lunchbox in here with some food that hadn't been eaten. And I had like this uh, a plastic container with... I don't know what broccoli. it used to be. I don't, here's it wasn't deal. broccoli. It was I walked something in else. here absolutely afraid tonight. I'm like, oh, dude, he left his lunch bag. And I looked at it in the corner. I'm like... Uh oh, <laughs> and it's actually fine, but it, it didn't smell because no, it was, it was in airtight, Tupperware. yeah, it was in airtight Tupperware. Tupperware, and thank God the the wife for helping me out, and and then some hard boiled eggs, which I also was surprised didn't smell, which is I guess I don't know, I just expected the reekage. Well, I'm just know? glad that uh, is that a word reekage. I'm just glad Quinn <laughs> from uh, 74 Weld isn't coming in here to a uh, a nasty uh, rotten egg smell for the duration of the show. Yeah, no, we we I I, I lucked out, so I yeah. So, yeah, I feel like... Yeah, buddy! <laughs> I'm ecstatic. Well, I'm ecstatic because we got Quinn in, and he's going to come talk to us about portal axles. Something I couldn't possibly... Comprehend? ...know less about. <laughs> I just don't know what they... And, and it, you've described for me what they are off the air. Well, I drew pictures. You drew pictures, which doesn't help it doesn't help our <laughs> listeners at all. And it's a way of lifting the, uh, the truck without... Um, well... It's a bad way of saying it. Why don't we let Quinn explain it? Okay, so Quinn, come on in. Quinn, welcome. Uh, thank you. Yeah, so we uh, we found each other on Instagram through a friend's- Through a dating service? Through an off-road dating service? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and it's been magic ever since. <laughs> okay. Um, no, so uh, people have been asking us about portal axles, right? And and how portal axles are being used in high-end race trucks and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I went on Instagram and somebody I think had posted one and I said, I need to have a portal guy on. And a bunch of my friends were like, tagged Quinn. I said, you need to talk ah. to him. So I, I uh, DM'd him and said, hey, you want to be on a podcast about trucks? And he's like, Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. And then I he, he drove like 16 hours to be here. Yeah. He was in like South America. Where, where'd you come yeah, from? Where'd you come from? South, South America. San Diego? Yeah. Is it, you're in San Diego. San no, Diego. The dude actually drove an hour and a half to be here at our little, and then our little he, Podunk studio. And then he came here and he went, oh, wow. Why well, did this I drive? Is it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, so before we start in on Portal Axle Talk here, Quinn, um, are you, are you a, a country fan or more of like a rock fan? I'll go with rock and roll. Rock and roll. All right, so let's get into it here. Innovator, moderator, truck show. Innovator, moderator, truck show. Innovator, moderator, truck show. Innovator, moderator, truck show. Truck show. Truck show. Truck show. Man, that hurts my throat. <laughs> That's your intro. How do you feel about that, Quinn? I'm down with it. All right. Uh, first, I have to say that I have a son named Quinn, and there are very few of you out there. There's like five of us. I think I've met five yeah. in my life. We were at an airport, and we were walking through one time. And, dude, he is a stud. He, <laughs> no, way better than his dad. Yeah, he, yeah. Way cooler huh. than he I to- am. Totally got it from his mom's side. Dude, he has like blue hair and a mohawk and the whole thing. And he, uh, we're in an airport. Where were we? In like, I don't know, Washington. And, we, and, and I heard this, Quinn, Quinn. And I turn around thinking, who knows my kid? That's a trip. And there was a little like three-year-old little dude. And, and, and he was obviously named Quinn outside some restaurant. And his dad was looking for him. And I go, what are the chances? And we walked up and introduced ourselves. And I had to take a picture of the two Quins. And now you guys have been lifelong it's, friends it's ever really since? It's really weird. Now I didn't talk to him again. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just blew him off. But so, I, 
Wait, hold on. So, so Quinn is that? So I'm Sean, and there are 27 different ways to spell Sean. I found out by going to places like Starbucks. Mm-hmm. How many ways are there to spell Quinn? I can imagine that you've probably only seen, one. Well, well, you could do one N or two Ns. Yeah, you do two, don't two. you? Yeah. yeah, that's the way you do it. Has anybody okay. done like K W I N or? They can butcher it, but I've, I've <laughs> I guess I've only met Quinns with two Ns. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess then uh, that's settled. Carson Daly's, uh, you know, famous Carson Daly. His his older sister is named Quinn, and so there are some females named Quinn. But I think it's it, it's cool. It's a it's a different dude's name. I like it's it. It's definitely unique. It you is. know what else is cool? Badass portal axles. <laughs> yes, they are. So Quinn Poltz, right? Am I saying it correctly? Yeah. Okay. You work at seventy four Weld. Yes. And we were just off air trying to figure out what 74 weld is and does because it seems like you have your hand in a couple or, of different pots or what it is and was is and was but it's evolved over time okay well it has a lot um originally it was just fabrication and uh i get a lot of questions what's the 74 you're born in night nope not born in 1974 <laughs> um it was originally from the periodic table of elements if you look up the uh, 74th element is a big w which is wolfram which is the main ingredient that it's tungsten it's the main thing in tig welding so when i got into the that field, is a badass story wow that way. is cool i like that uh that's where that came from when i got into it it was just fabrication and i had a friend that had a machine shop and i bought a little mill off him and it kind of developed from there so we still do a lot of fab work um i don't really talk about or post pictures of the fab work because most of it is either Navy related or Border Patrol. That's uh, kind of our bread and butter on okay. fabrication still. Very cool. And how did you get into that line of work? Originally doing that type of, you know, unique work for Border Patrol, Navy, Well, et being based in San Diego, you're close enough is, to is the that people why, that or need or to use no, it. Is that why or was it just your family? It was. No, no my, my, my dad couldn't turn a wrench if his life depended on it. Um, <laughs> it just kind of evolved... Uh, as far as the that type of work, it was kind of right place at the right time, I guess. I mean, you found one to count. You made some fencing or some railing for a ship or something, and then the guys came calling. Go, oh, this guy well, does really great work. No, I started out in in off road in the jeep field, and then quickly realized that I don't want to make my living off somebody else's hobby, and I hated it. I didn't hate it. I love doing it. There's no money in it. Yeah. And at a certain point in time, you go, okay, well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And so I looked around and went, well, let's go for some government contracts. And I, again, you know, it all comes down to who you know. And I got introductions and right place, right time, execute on a few contracts, and then they call you back. Yeah. Yeah. So we've done the border port expansions and we do a lot of stuff with them. And I've done the same parts over and over. So everyone asks you about the wall. Did you put in a bid in for the wall? (laughs) Okay. That could be an entirely separate conversation because I was in on some of the, the, bigger conversations when that was actually starting um it's complicated no it's not it uh <laughs> well, what can you say without getting in trouble i mean it's not so the biggest problem that everybody talks about and i've had this conversation a bunch of times when it comes down to the wall you've got the biggest stretches in texas and we've done yep. i think 25 different ports in texas well the big problem in texas is you already have a wall in the established areas well if you want to run a wall you have three options. You can run it on the Mexico side. You can't do that. That's sovereign territory. You can run it on the U.S. side. The major problem with that, and we were, I was in a conversation when this came up, and uh, somebody from the Army Corps of Engineers shut it down immediately and said, hey, guys, I don't know why we're having this conversation. We're never going to put a wall on the U.S. side because we would be giving up water rights 
Right. Because oh, it's right the Rio Grande. And you're not going to put a wall in the middle of a river. Right. So there's no need to have the conversation. Interesting. But they were shot down real But quick. there are spots that you can build a wall, right? I sure. Mean, it, but is it a, is it worthless? Mm, oh. I mean, I don't think so. I, I, think, I think you have walls and population centers where it's easy for people to cross over. Walls do work, right? But when you get out to the outskirts, there's other things you can do. There's other well, there's natural barriers. And, yeah. Well, what you will see develop, um, and this is not like I have inside information. This is just where, where things will head is you will see uh, the evolution of a virtual wall. Yeah. So they don't really care. I can't speak for them and I'm not, you know, Border Patrol spokesman, but essentially they don't really care who's, you know, if if a mother and a couple kids want to cross the border, they're not trying to stop that. They want to know who is coming. Exactly. So a virtual wall makes a lot of sense for them because they'll invest in infrared cameras. They'll invest. They want to know. It, it doesn't. Ex, it doesn't make sense. To, oh man, we're taking it. I didn't mean to take this turn. Well, just, it's no, no, it's fine. And everyone, all of our listeners have opinions on this. Oh, Every yeah. single listener has an opinion <laughs> on this, and we're not going to get into it. But I just, it, for me, it's interesting that if you don't have a wall, then you're then you're forced to reckon with them. With with people as they've already entered. So what do you do if you have a wall? At least you're mitigating some of that, right? Some people, a certain number, are staying on the other side of that wall, and you don't have to deal with that problem. Well, once they cross over, it's now your problem mm-hmm. to deal with. Is that is that that's true? And what a lot of people don't understand too about a lot of that stuff is like we're building a lot of fencing right now. That's that's been in the works for 10 years. Yeah, there's pieces that are going it's, up to replace dilapidated or old sections. These things, things like don't happen in like a one-year right, period. No. And all of a sudden, you build a wall. No, right. no, that's been planned yeah. for a very long time. And that's all handled by the Ar- Army, Army Corps, Corps of Engineers. Engineers. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. If you want something done in government, give it to the Army Corps of Engineers. Yeah, They'll the, get it those, done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So going from the government contracts into off-roading and, and before you were doing fab work and jobs and things like that, into sort of having a product line that people rely on. How was that leap, and how did you kind of find your niche? Well, we're still we're still working on a lot of that stuff. Um, how do I find my niche? On and, and when you say we, who's we? How big is the staff there at, uh, uh, at 74 Weld? I want to say we're 12, 13. Well, we'll be 15 by the end of next week, I think. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. Congrats. Well, trying to hire more people for a second shift. Okay. Yeah. And so take us to how you how you evolved into the the portal axle uh, go-to guy. Okay. So this was not eh, I'm going to just say 9 years ago a good buddy of mine, uh, Mark Underwood, comes to me and goes, "Hey, after I bought my first mill, oh, you got to make this thing." And he brought me an old uh, it was an MSI portal box. It was a company. I don't think they're around anymore. It's a st- big steel box. And we look at it and we're like, dude, I bet we could make this out of aluminum. It'd mm-hmm. be a lot lighter. It's all based off the Unimog 404 stuff. And we took it. We went, okay, well, we know the bearing surfaces are important. We changed some of the other features. We wanted to add material in, other, in certain areas, take it away in others. And we made some of them. So it was originally just replacement parts for Unimogs because you couldn't really easily get them. Yeah, didn't you have to buy the whole box as an assembly from them? You, it, would, it was hard to get anything well, serviceable bearings. Well, you still bearings. can. Okay. Yeah, they still have them. You still can get old military surplus. And 
for rock crawling purposes, all that old stuff is still perfectly fine. Yeah. I, I tell everybody, the only thing you need to buy is the box right. because original ones are cast iron. They can, handi- they can handle heavy loads. They cannot handle shock load. Mm. And so what will happen is the box will, will crack yep. and then the gears are allowed to, to move and then they eat themselves. So let's explain portals for those ah. who don't know. So right... So if you you're mean, thinking, you mean like this guy right like here? You? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a Unimog, uh, Hummer, Humvee, or H1, uh, both of those have portal boxes. And what it is, is it is a gear reduction box that goes from the hub of the wheel to above the hub center line, right? So if you're on a standard 4x4 with a solid axle, axle center line is where your differential is, and you have low ground clearance because you have the bottom half of the ring and pinion hanging down or the, the ring gear hanging down. Whereas on a portal axle, that moves that axle line up higher and not only gives you more ground clearance because now you don't have a, a ring gear housing hanging low, but it also gives you additional gearing and reduction at the hub, which allows you to have a better crawl ratio and things like that. So you're you're gaining gear reduction, you're gaining ground clearance. What you lose is, at least in terms of like Unimog and cast iron boxes, is a little bit of speed and a little bit of NVH. If you remember, we talked about the original Hummer H1s, and the Humvees have and a the NVH is noise, noise vibration, vibration harshness. Right. Yeah, and then you have the straight cut gears, which make some noise. And if you if you break on a portal axle on straight cut gears, you can kind of feel the vehicle rock and stuff. The later Alphas had a helical cut gear, which solved some of those problems and allowed you to drive faster on the highway and things like that. So. That is sort of people went to Unimog, they went to Hummer, but now what's really cool and why I wanted to have Quinn in is people are taking that portal technology. And before you would have a trophy truck um, in Baja that had 24 to 36 inches of front travel, but they were two wheel drive because they didn't want to sacrifice the ground clearance of a four wheel drive system and they could overcome a lot of obstacles with speed. But now as the vehicles are becoming more sophisticated, four wheel drive is becoming a thing in desert racing, right? And right. so the portals are now allowing these guys to carry high speeds and have the ground clearance and the extra traction that a four-wheel drive system can handle. But my question is, how the hell do you keep them cool? Like, what kind of oil and it, capacity And it sounds is? like there's a lot of extra parts to worry about. No. No? No to all of that, I guess. What? Oh, so okay, cool. Okay, so I get that question a bunch is, you know, what are you, well, cooling? And I had somebody Coleman, actually- Coleman, lightning. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, so they, I, I get a phone call and they want to discuss, they've got some ideas on how we can cool the portal boxes. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard him out because I didn't want to crush his spirit or anything. <laughs> and I said, that's great. Um, they get warm. And he goes, what do you mean they get warm? And I go, well, I mean, if you run a portal, um, our stuff with, with our current gear set, um, go 200 miles at race speeds, come over and... Um, if it's cold out, you can warm your hands on it. You can set your hands on the box. Okay. It's maybe so. It's cooler than a shock. No kidding. Oh, a lot significantly cooler. So put it this way: I don't even run high temp seals in them because oh wow, we don't see anything over 140, 150 degrees. I would never have guessed that. Is that because of the oil that you're using? Is no. it because of the capacity? Is no. it because the aluminum allows it to to um... no? Keep guessing. Well, I'm going to keep guessing until I hear it. Yeah, no, 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 but I, I, don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I don't have the, a single definitive answer yeah. for that. Um, you get really good airflow at the wheel. Sure. You also have a big aluminum heat sink, sit, yep. you know, sitting there. Uh, it's only running 12 ounces of oil. That's amazing. We only put what? 12 ounces of oil in them, and, and technically that's two ounces more than Mercedes intended the portals to So are the, the portals that you're making now... 
are based off of the Unimog design with your own advancements in materials and, and some tweaks to make it work. Sort of like how maybe a Dynatrack has re-engineered a Dana axle or something like that. Uh, the only thing that we've retained from the early Mercedes stuff is that the center of one gear to the center of the second gear is identical. Okay. Every other part on it is completely changed and we wow. make everything in-house. Wow. Even the gears, everything. The only thing we don't do on gears in-house is we don't actually cut the teeth of okay. the gears, but um, I might do that. I have a new five-axis coming of in you do. July, <laughs> and I just looked at it, and you can hob gears on it. <laughs> no so kidding. I'm sitting there going, well- How much is that tool? <laughs> is that a Haas machine or something else? Uh, no, it's not a Haas. <laughs> <laughs> it, I didn't know that there was a, a Gene Haas. I was yes. watching the, the Netflix series on- um, last year's F1 series, and Gene Haas poured a ton of money into a losing team, yes. and I didn't know there was a Gene Haas, so yeah. I'm not a machinist. If, Why would I know? If they but... took that money and put it into their machine tools, they'd probably be in a better spot right now in the market. <laughs> um, I, I bag on Haas. I, I own several of them. They're great machines. But? The Haas, so the Haases that we have in our shop are Honda Accords. Oh. The machines that I'm talking about would be... A Porsche GT3. Oh, oh that, that's oh a nice gosh. machine. So, <laughs> so what's, the, what's the brand of that machine? Um, well, we have a DMG Mori that's it's it's a very solid machine. Um, the one I'm looking at is is a Grobe. Okay. Yeah, gro- spelled, Grobes are spelled amazing. how? So G R O B. It's a okay. Grobe. Um, is it's it a, German? It's German. If you want, of it, course it is. If you want a high end CNC machine, you you buy German. If you want. This one is a high-end workhorse. Typically, the Japanese make workhorses. The Germans make the super precision. Same with the Swiss. And Americans make CNC machines. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which, which, hey, I have more hosses than anything else in the shop. Um, Currently. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about the the first hoss you bought and and, and how did that come to – that's a big expenditure, right? Yeah, a lot of guys will mortgage their own homes to buy those, you know, or I mean, yeah, that yeah. type of thing, right? Or they they lease them for for well, everybody, a years. everybody, no, you, everybody leases the equipment. Nobody actually, well, I can't say nobody. I've never bought a machine. You lease it, and then at the end of the lease, you buy it for a dollar. Um, so it's just a monthly payment. Okay. And so the Hauses are sixty to a hundred thousand. Okay. okay. Um, so, but as a young guy, and you're just starting out, you buy this machinery, or you're leasing it. That's a big. That's a big nut. No, fifteen hundred bucks a month. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, and what what's the uh, the Porsche three GT three yeah. at ten thousand a month? Okay. Oh wow! So it's yeah. nine to ten times more. And, and yeah. it allows you to cut gears potentially, but what else well, does it <laughs> allow you to do? Yeah, but I mean, gear cutting is is something that people think it's fancy. It's actually very inexpensive to cut gears. Interesting. It's everything else that goes into it: the engineering, the the heat treating process, yeah. how you handle it. That's all the, I mean, I send, I send most of my gears up to, or all my gears up to a guy in LA. I probably shouldn't tell how much I pay. You don't don't have to disclose that, but I'm curious what this Grobe will do that your Honda Accord machines will not do. Um, Get the ladies. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think they're yeah, hanging out. Yeah, we, going we don't hard, exactly <laughs> get ladies from the business that we're in. We do get sales once in a while. Um, and yeah, it's if if uh, if you're looking at a field to go into to get the ladies, that's not one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, I was just curious about that so early the, the, process the where you like, well, the Grobe machine and and that 
style, it's a horizontal. So typically when you see, when you think of CNC's, you think of the head that goes up and down. Well, take that whole thing and set it on its side and then make the table swing and pivot. So it oh, goes, wow. so the head goes uh, up, down, sideways, and then the table moves up and down, spins and turns. So it's a five axis. Okay. It's a fancy G whiz bang. It's, it's one of the most, you probably know it from automotive. So Grobes are the workhorse of automotive. Like every turbo that, that's made in the U.S., it's made on a Grobe. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All okay. of the, they are the ones that they're meant to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You can physically work on the machine while it's still running. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. They have a, <laughs> they have a walk-in cabinet where you can serve the, service the spindle. That's at, pretty because, cool. Because they're meant to never stop. No joke. Yeah. Yeah, Damn they're, Germans. Yeah. So does, they're gnarly. So if if you have an opening, like you're not using your machine in the middle of the night, do you take on other people's jobs and, and do some of that? Well, my plan for that thing is um, I have some parts that we run for a customer where I could gang them up and essentially um, with the software we have and certain things that we do, you could essentially hit a button and come back eight hours later. Oh my gosh. And, and that would be done. Now, you can take it one step further because all the grobes come kind of prepped for automation you could just have it run a robot. So I have a friend that has one that um, he said, I think his best time on it was 47 days. <laughs> Straight. And, oh. and that's that's running 24 hours a day for 47 days. Wow. And the job that he had was making a couple hundred bucks an hour. So, <laughs> Whoa. yeah. But but again, it's one of those things that if you don't have the work for it, yeah. then you have a $10,000 pay Payment, weight exactly, every month. Yeah. I guess like, that's maybe yeah. why I was talking about, and I asked you, because I know some young guys that bought machines thinking they were going to be, <laughs> they were going to the next Tesla or whatever, right? No. And yeah. I was talking to a machinist today that told me that he was trying to collect from there's 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 lots of backstory to a lot of that stuff. I sure, I sure try not to do much work for the aerospace industry anymore because I found that it's a race to the bottom. It is. Um, I don't want any part of it. Uh, they will burn through suppliers, and I never really got. If you're going to get into aerospace work, you need ISO 9000 certification. We are ISO 9000 compliant. I was getting ready to do it. And then I realized, well, what am I doing? I don't even want to be in this industry. I don't yeah. want to make these parts. I'd rather make my own parts. But the problem with making your own parts is it is extremely expensive. And you have to market them. Oh, yeah. I know. I hate that. See, here's the, the, no, you have to hire somebody to yeah, market it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're right. Aerospace is a race to the bottom. And uh -huh. now suppliers are getting squeezed more and more if you want to be on a big program. They will tell you they want to make it up in volume, and you end up taking away from other jobs that pay more because you're trying to get the volume to pay off what you're well, doing. And it's it ends up, and plus you have all the the quality control stuff and all the extra layers that come with being part of ISO and a company that requires ISO suppliers. And a lot of people see a machine shop and go, "Oh, you're making a bunch of money." What they don't realize, okay, so say you buy a machine, say you buy a Haas, and it's ninety grand, and it hits your floor. That's great. You still have to probably spend another twenty grand to put tooling in the sure. thing. It's not going to cut its own parts. It's not going to hold its and own. And a material. human to program it. And while you can hire programmers, good ones are not cheap. I mean, it's you know, good isn't cheap. Cheap isn't good. So yeah, no, you've got to pay for good talent. What was the first part that you were contracted to make once you established seventy four weld? I, I 
I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I couldn't really. I mean, really, you know, like, oh, it was a as a fence. Oh, post actually, or hold on. Right? I do. I do know. It was some. It was some widget that plugged into a cell phone. It was just a dummy demo piece. Um, I don't even remember the name. Creative? No, not Creative Labs. I. I couldn't even remember the oh, name. Creative of the Labs company. was a company that was around. That no, show. it was it was something creative, but it was, yeah, it was just a little. And half the time, yeah, you want me to make a pink unicorn? I'll build you a pink <laughs> unicorn. I don't care. Just make sure you pay your bill. Yeah, so, right, right. Yeah, no, it was just a it was a part. I don't know. But now you're making things that you actually are excited about. I mean, yes. You're here today, to talking about portal axles. Uh-huh. You're doing something that really isn't. I guess it, it's not it's not commonplace. Right, it's making exact, portal axles. Making portal. There's only axles. a handful of people and really doing that saying, in the aftermarket, and, and, and right? A lot of people don't even yes. understand the technology. Well, I mean, I guess there's a lot of technology that goes into it, but it's also not. I think anything in life, like when you really dive into something and you spend time researching it, it's not that complicated. Once you really wrap your head around it, it's really not that complicated. Now, it's all the little nuances and the little details, like. I want to say we use six different types of steel in the portals. There's different types of aluminum. Sometimes we run 6061. Sometimes we run 7075. There's, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's trade-offs on all that You have stuff. the experience. You know what's wearing. You know what the reason. So this goes back to we had Jerry from Camberg on before. Yeah. We've had Mel Wade, who's a good friend of mine. Yep. And some of the things that we've talked about with those guys is they'll get a product that they develop and then they sell and then they get ripped off but only the shape gets ripped off. Yeah. And so yeah. the product that's the ripoff doesn't work right, even though it looks the same, because uh-huh. they don't know what, what the trade-offs are, why certain yeah. decisions were made. So they've cheapened out in an area. That doesn't really bother me that much. I mean, I so I gladly hand out models to most of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I'll just kind of hand out shells, but peop, I find that in, in the off-road industry in general, everybody thinks that their stuff is super proprietary to the sense that... They think that what they're doing is is kind of rocket science. I don't necessarily buy into that. I think that um, if you develop a good product, then it's going to be successful if, sure. if there's a market for it. Um, I don't think that anything that we do is that rocket science. There is a lot of time and research and development and more time and prototyping. And yeah, I mean, if there's going to be other players in the market, I'm sure. Um, but a lot of it too comes from experience and knowledge and asking the right questions and surrounding yourself with the right people. So when looking at your portal axles um, or portal boxes, I'm curious about a couple of things. Number one would be the weight difference between a standard Unimog box and mm-hmm. one of your boxes. Uh, depending on what upright you go with, we're in the 60 pound range. Okay. I don't know what the factory... Well, well what's the norm? Oh, Where are we even starting? Okay. So uh, a Humvee, the H1s, I believe are in the 110 pound range. Oh, I, I don't know what the axle techs are. Axle t- My understanding is the axle tech stuff was originally a military application that kind of lost its was it lost its sh- it ran its course and they were essentially looking for another market for it. So they put it out into you know off road stuff. Now to date, um, I don't know anybody else that's actually built a portal for off road. Typically, they're trying to take something from another application and then move it over to off-road. And in certain circumstances, it works really well. Um, in others, it doesn't. When you were getting into this and you're like, I-, I can I can do this. I've got the skill, the know-how, the, the people around me to build this. Did you look at the potential market? 
did you say I if I made thirty thousand of these oh, a no. year, or uh-uh. did you just say I kn-? no? I built it because a buddy of mine was like, "Dude, you got to do this for me," and I was like, "Oh yeah!" Like, <laughs> you ever had those where, like, okay, so when I got into Jeeps, a a, a, fr- a guy that I met on the internet literally said, "I'll help you with a spring over axle swap," and it's yeah. like. Dude, if somebody asked me to do that right now, I'd be like, no, yeah, no, you, yeah, you're you, high, dude. You There's cra- no you way crazy I'm gonna... bastard. I'm not giving you my contact yeah, information. But, but so I dove into it completely blind, not knowing what I was going to do and started small. And since we started small and, and it was never, this was never developed as a, this is going to be my next product. It was, I have a couple friends that really want me to make this stuff <laughs> for them. And I have a machine sitting over here that's not that busy. So we're going to help them out. Okay. Um, so it didn't really, this was never intended as a, we're going to develop a product. Now I have multiple guys that sit and all they do is draw stuff. So we've got, we've got a, I'd say three or four guys at, at the shop where all they focus on is developing these products. That's like being in high school when you would like doodle, except what you're doing <laughs> is actually turning into something that makes money for a change. Which right? is cool. Right? Way cool. Well, yeah. this sounds reminiscent of our discussion with Multimatic. Yep. Where Multimatic, which is one of the largest OE suppliers in the world, and it started very small, making was it door handles or was it door hinges else? or something door like hinges, that, yeah. something where they're just filling a need, very small, yeah. and they're like, "Wow, you did an amazing job! You knocked it out of the park!" And they just keep going back, and it grows and grows and grows. Well, but it starts you, very innocently. Do you think the guys have like a uh, a book open, and there's like a magazine in it when Quinn walks by to see if they're doodling. They <laughs> shut it really quick. I don't know. We could look at the cameras right now and nah. see. <laughs> you know what's funny is in this warehouse in the back is our 2013 Ultimate Adventure Super Duty that had Axletech portals, which that big white regular cab diesel yep. Super Duty back in the day mm-hmm. that Fred built yeah. uh, is, is back here all bashed oh, up in, in this very warehouse. And that was a pretty novel magazine project at the time because nobody had really done a solid axle portals on a full-size truck. Not on a full size tr- tr- full size truck. Fred did that yeah. on a fun buggy before that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the fun buggy. Uh huh. So it's just kind of cool to see how that's evolved. And the idea was, we we're going to build this truck, and the UA that year was in like a really like gumbooy, gooey, muddy area. And the idea was, let's get those diffs out of the way so this big ass truck can drop into those trenches and then not drag the undercarriage. And so they had a, I think they were Axle Techs, um, their portal boxes, and mm-hmm. that's what's on uh, on that. Uh, Super Duty out there. It's pretty awesome to see. And then, so now we fast forward to today. So this is what? This is five, six years later. And there's guys running four-wheel drive trophy trucks at 110, 20, 30, 40 miles an hour in the desert. Mm -hmm. What in your box design is allowing for those guys? Or has the technology always been there and people just are becoming aware of the advantages now? It's tiny little tweaks, I think. So we moved to a straight cut gear. The original Unimogs were helical. Um, Helicals will will generate, that's another thing for the heat issue. Yeah. Helicals generate a lot more heat. And and take that to an extreme, take a ring and pinion. they generate a lot of heat. Right. The straight cuts. Is are that like, because one's trying to move away from each other? Yeah, they're yeah. trying to push apart. So it's okay. instead of going straight, they're like, but you know that from the bank's diff cover right, stuff exactly. that you were working Discovered on. a lot of heat coming out of those mm-hmm. things, yeah. just killing oil. So the straight cuts are like 98% efficiency. Oh, wow. Um, they transfer power really well. They don't generate a lot of heat. And um, a lot of that too is, is bearing choices. There's a lot of little details that go sure. in there. But none of it was really, it's not, it's changing the materials. So we run a different gear material that can handle heavier shock loads. Um, it's little tweaks from learning and experience and you broke that. So then I try never to approach things like the, like with a hammer that, 
you know, if, if you break something, don't just throw a bunch more meat on it. Stand back and go, oh, well, let's maybe rethink this. Let's do different uh, materials. Unlike the old Harley Davidson joke, if it uh, breaks, uh, make it bigger. And if it sticks out, chrome it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, no, no. We, we, yeah. <laughs> so, no, a lot of it's the materials that you choose, too. So, what trucks are you on that people might recognize? Um, well, that, the, that you can talk about. Okay. <laughs> so so the one that's getting a lot of press Well, I want to hear about the trucks that he cannot talk we'll about. Do that well, we'll do that off the air. Yeah. <laughs> so we've I, I've got a couple trophy trucks that are coming out. Um, there'll be one running San Felipe with our stuff on the front end. Um, everybody's, the, the buzz, I guess, the talk of the town is Jordan Pellegrino's new car, that Genrite car. So that was that was a project that I, I started two years ago with, uh, oh, wow. with Igor from Triton Engineering. Um, but before that we did another, we did a portal car. Um, it was a good experience, changed some stuff from then. And the problem I had is a lot of these racers, I was trying to convince them like, well, not trying to convince them. I'm telling them, Hey, you need to start running this stuff. And they go, well, nobody currently runs it. I say, well, one guy runs it. They go, well, we need somebody fast that's going to run it. And it got kind of the same thing was thrown back at me over and over again. I said, well, screw it. I'm just so going to build. A, it's a catch-22. No well, one so, wants to be the first. Right. right. So I figured I'd be the first. So I build, well, and if you're going to build one car, well, screw it. You might as well build two. <laughs> Gotta have the spare. So so I got with Igor from Triton Engineering. We built two cars. Um, I rolled one of them out at KOH in 2018 just as a roller to put at Fox's booth on display and couldn't even get into the parking lot when I had a massive... <laughs> I had I had Tony and Jordan staring at the car, and I knew immediately, yeah. like, okay, they're going to buy they're the car. Hooked. Yes. <laughs> and car number one was always going to be- Wait, who's, wait, Tony and Jordan? I don't understand this. Pellegrino from uh, Genrite. Right. Okay, okay. So, and they wanted to buy the car immediately. So, it, yes. They, well, no. The way they looked at the car, they wanted to have sex with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, they ended up buying here's car a pack, number here's one. Here's a pack of Trojans, gentlemen. Yeah. Let's, let's talk later. Yeah, well, you got to wipe it down afterwards. <laughs> uh, so, they took the first car. Just have an extra t- uh, two ounces of lube, though. <laughs> yes. That was always meant to be a test bed for portal parts. And that was designed, well... I get this all the time. Oh, I want to put at portals underneath a uh, underneath a vehicle. <laughs> you design and build a vehicle around portals. You don't typically, and I'm I'm saying this. You don't typically bolt sure. them on. Now we are going to do a bolt-on version for the mass market that you will literally just take and bolt on. But you're you're still engineering that because you know that that vehicle and what the requirements. Well, are. so we'll prove everything out in race and then scale it down. Because the race stuff is it's not pretty heavy cheap. duty. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, yeah, and I'm sure you probably want in a road going car probably helical gears and maybe we'll play with different ones okay. because so one thing that you know when you talk about gear wine gear wine um, mm-hmm. yeah gears typically do wine for some reason and again I don't I don't know if it's because we're running huge tires or there's so much other noise but whether you're in the car or out of the car you cannot hear the gears and. Mm. That was kind of baffling to me when we first, when we moved to a different gear set. Now, part of that, there's a lot of little science that goes into designing a gear. And I got a bunch of help. One of the very few people in this industry that is willing to share knowledge um, was Jason from TubeWorks. And Jason helped me tremendously. Um, well, Jason designed my gear sets. There's actually a article on fourwheeler.com that our, our 
mutual friend John Kappa wrote yep. called Portal Axle Evolution. And so if you go to Four Wheeler or on Google, Google Four Wheeler and Portal, a- Portal Axle Evolution, the article's from March 12th, and it looks at uh, the Tube Works and 74 Weld mm-hmm. and has uh, pieces blown apart so you can see the difference between a Unimog 404 bo- box, the 74 Weld box, and some of the nuances of that of the Portal technology. It's yeah. a really neat story. So, yeah, so Jason helped me quite a bit um, in in gear design and has taught me a lot about gears. And then, like anything, I mean, if you're interested in it, just go learn it. It's yeah. the, All the information's out there, and people make it seem like, well, oh, how do you learn about gears? I don't know. Go on the internet. You know, it's not like we're really, <laughs> we're not inventing anything you crazy You sound so here. millennial right now. Just go on the internet. Well, but, <laughs> it's all right there. So, but, but people have been making it. gears for hundreds of years. And I always thought, like, you know, I, I'm looking at videos on this and I'm reading up on it. And I'm like, how am I going to design my, no, there's software that you just design gears in. Now, with that being said, there's little, little tweaks that you can make that that will make a gear extremely noisy or quiet it down. Um, you can cheat addendums. You can cheat dedendums. You can... You can you, make them out of rubber. You can make, you can <laughs> make them out of rubber. Well, they'll be quiet. Mm, yeah. uh, there's, there's lots of... The car of... is uh, mushy feeling. <laughs> Almond? Yeah, the, 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 yeah. It makes a lot of noise. It doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, no. There's... Sounds like a, a baseball card in the <laughs> spokes of your bicycle. <laughs> But yeah, it, it comes down to like anything, the devil's in the details. So looking at this, um, it looks like uh, you guys are using a different gear reduction in b- the box versus what the uh, Unimog does. And that's so you can use more off the shelf gear ratios in your ring and pinion? Mm, well, yes. So that gives, so we went from, uh, it's a 2.14 to a, to a 1.55. But we settled on a 1.55 because we sat down and we went, let's try a bunch of ratios. And then... Given the software that we have, it'll spit out, uh, this can handle 2,800 foot-pounds of torque, or this handles 1,800 foot-pounds of torque. And we would just play with numbers, and the strongest ratio we could come up with was 1.55. There you go. But the one thing that that I think is worth touching on that is a huge benefit to portals, and I've been screaming this for five or six years now, that people can't seem to get, is that it's not just the ground clearance, it's not just all of that stuff, it's... The torque inside of that is divided by 1.55. So you could run, well, okay, so again, going back to when we first started doing this, I had buddies that were running big LS3 strokers and a Toyota 8-inch. Never broke a ring and pinion, never yeah. had an issue. 31 spline axle shafts in the rear mm-hmm. with 40 with 40 inch tires, and the axles were were stock takeoff Unimog axles that were cut down and re-splined. And then technically, the major diameter of that spline is actually like 30 thou too small. So they're hmm. even kind of loose-fitting oh, splines. Wow. And they still never broke anything. Yeah. Because if you do the math, like, okay, so on Jordan's car, we ran a 9.5-inch ring gear. 9.5 times 1.55, it's like a 14-inch Essentially, your ring gear is, is equivalent Virtually, to a 14, uh, 14 inch. inch. Right. Your inch and a half axle spline or your inch and a half axle shaft is equivalent to a two and a quarter axle shaft. So it's taking, it takes torque load off of every single component inside of it. And that's the huge benefit that I think people just walk right past. Do you feel any additional driveline slop in there or driveline play since there's extra, I guess, linkage in terms of gears? Um well, no. And what kind, well, kind of extra loss well, as well? Yeah, and I'm asking because I'm thinking in terms of like a rock crawling type of a situation. Uh, where so backlash. Backlash, yeah. Okay, so we set our backlash fairly tight. On a straight okay. cut gear, um, t- 
technically you could run a zero backlash. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, we run about fourth out. Okay. And fourth out, well, shoot, you can go ring and pinions. Well, you wouldn't set a ring and pinion at fourth out. Right. It, it wouldn't last. Right. Yeah. It would eat itself. So not really. I mean, yes, every single little bit of backlash uh, will add to the feel of that. But in a rate, or even in a play car, you don't, I don't think you'd feel it. How much power can, do you, I don't know, not advertise, maybe you do advertise, but what, what is the power of somebody's engine that you're comfortable supporting with the portal box? With our current design? Have you found the sure. limitation? I don't know, a thousand horse. I mean, wow. we'll see. Well, here's the thing. You could go put it in a 4,000 horse drag car and you're not going to break it. You could put it in a 600 horse car and possibly break it. So I, I wouldn't really, mm. I don't know. Well, okay. what I've always told people when they buy boxes over the years, they go, oh, well, what if these things break? I say, well, if it breaks, send it back to me because I want to see what broke right. and I'll just give you a new one. I've never given anybody a new one. I've never wow. had a box itself. And we've had gears explode, like old factory gears on but the Unibox contain within the box? It chews the inside of the box, sure. but it typically, well, it's never hurt a bearing surface. So wow. press the old bearings out, take a burr knife or sure. whatever and clean you know, any sharp edges. Put new bearings. And back going back to and, that, oh, that's another uh, advantage of the aluminum is those types of shocks are contained. Where in a cast iron box, you're probably going to blow, blow it up like you would a rod through the side of a cast yeah. iron engine block or something like that. Well, when I started making them, we made them out of seventy seventy five material, the boxes, and it was never really a concern. And at a certain point, I said, well, actually, okay, so. I went to go order material for one run of them, and and the price of seventy seventy five is not it's not cheap. And it was like, well, I don't have money for seventy seventy five. Let's just make them out of sixty sixty one, <laughs> and we never had any problems with them. And then huh. um, seventy seventy five has has issues of itself. If it gets hot, um, it loses all strength. That's not good. No, no, nope. <laughs> no. So seventy seventy five at three hundred and fifty degrees is like. 70% of the strength of 6061. And 7075 is typically about twice the strength of 6061 in, in its, you know, in its normal state. Um, so we switched over to 6061 on boxes a long time ago. And even the race stuff, I'm still doing 6061 because I've never seen a failure. And are those completely machined or is there any casting that goes with that? I don't cast anything. It's all machined? Um, yeah, because... Couldn't yeah. you? I mean, if you get into like OE work at some point, you're going to have to cast them. In OE work, I probably... Well, not if I buy the Grobe. We'll just run that thing lights out. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I... Is that what is it? Run it lights out. Yeah, I love, I love it. 24-7. Well, so... Go ahead until it smokes. Okay, so... <laughs> Well, that's the other cool thing about that machine is is they uh, they come ready. You know, you you slap a robot on that in a pallet pool, and yeah, it just it it runs and it doesn't stop. Provided you have everything in place. I wish I right? had anything in my life where I could say it'd be easier if I just slapped a robot on it, <laughs> uh, right? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, still somebody has to program the robot. Sure. Yeah. So what happens if, uh, I know you're talking about people wanting to know about bolt-on portals and you design the vehicle around the portal, but your caveat was, okay, fine, you've beaten me down enough, I'm going to do something in that respect. I, I am doing something in that respect, but what we're doing first is, so I have a four-gear portal in the works. Um, and by the way, your race stuff's two-gear, correct? My race stuff right now is two-gear. Okay. We have a four-gear race in the works, um, and now I know enough to know that there's still people that, there's always going to be somebody smarter than you. So 
for the four gear race stuff. In our case, it's lots of people right. who are smarter than everyone. Well, <laughs> so I, I teamed up with X-Track on the four gear race stuff. And X-Track, do you know, you know who they are? I don't. So X-Track builds gearboxes for Formula One. Got it. Uh, okay. Rally cars. Yep. Uh, I would very high tech. They're a very big company. And very high end. And very high end. They're they are a lot of people in, in off road don't know who they are, but when you when you hear the road race cars and you hear that crazy whining, yeah. that's an X track gearbox. Okay. Um they I I don't quote me on this. I want to say they probably have a hundred engineers on staff. Um wow. they know gearing better than anybody else. hundred more than us. <laughs> and so right now there's a big rush. All of a sudden, everybody wants to build portals. Yeah. And so I Is got- Is that true? In the off-road race world, um, again, nobody will talk about this, but in the off-road wa- race world, all the major truck builders um, behind the scenes have been contacting a lot of the, the gearbox guys and they want to develop something. And the problem that those guys get into is they can't develop it for everybody. So then what they do is I approach them kind of, again, right place, right time. Um, I met with uh, Andrew, who was their VP, and he was kind of, oh, you actually do this stuff. You do this already. Oh, Yes, I do right. it already. There's some institutional knowledge and we'd he like goes, to have. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I don't think I'm going to teach him anything, but, but he goes, okay, well, here's what we will do with you. We'll provide you a gear and bearing package and you can just wrap it however you want. And I said, perfect, oh, because they, I again, I don't know anybody that's better at gearing than them. Um, and so we'll take, we'll basically, we will buy gear sets from X-Track. So your R&D is going to be how to package those gears. Uh-huh. Which for us is, that's a piece of cake. Yeah. Um, Draw, yeah, well, so we'll draw the box, we'll draw the uprights, we'll put together a brake package. All of that stuff is really easy. Where do you see this entering the commercial market? Um, Jeeps. Oh. So, yeah, so I was so, going to ask, that seems like the natural next step. Because I'm trying to draw a, 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 you know, a dotted line to our listeners, and they're like, oh, okay. this is all so, great. They're like, this so is all great, this, but how does it affect me? Well, yeah. I guess I should have backed up. I got into this. Um, I was in college. I was actually, I... Yeah, I was just finishing up my last year of college. I was supposed to be, well, I my plan was I was going to go to law school. Um, I was studying for LSATs, only all I really wanted to do was work on my Jeep. And literally the whole business started as I bought a Jeep, I took it out, and I broke the rear track bar on a YJ. Oh. And I freaked out because I'm thinking, oh, no. Yeah. Like, well, literally, you know, you can just take that thing yeah, off and whatever. throw it away. It doesn't yeah. really matter. So <laughs> yeah, I took- Leaf springs on it. So the axle's yeah. already located, so you're not too worried about it. It can Got move it. side to side. Yeah. It's not going to move that much. Yeah. So I take it to Off-Road Warehouse, and it was like 400 bucks to fix it. So I said, nope. And I drove it home, and for 500 bucks, I could buy a welder. <laughs> I bought a welder. That's how the whole thing That's started. That's funny. Yeah. So, so getting back to the Jeep thing, so- Portals for Jeeps is kind of our next big venue that we've started on. Um, is any, anyone doing it other than you? I don't know. Maybe you. Would, you how would you, you would know? You you go to events. You would see. Well, it, you would hear. People, dude, people in this industry don't like to talk about anything. Yeah. They, they think you know. Oh, we're going to keep it super secret. Um, that's what we're working on, and um, I think that so there's suck definitely because we're going to kick ass. Well, I think out. there's <laughs> definitely a market for it. Because here's the deal: you get a gear reduction, you get a lift. That's what I was going to ask. With the lift, so you don't have to invest in suspension other than maybe different shocks because well, obviously you have more unsprung weight, but you can- You'll want different shocks. You can take the upright on your portal, on a standard universal portal, and the mm-hmm. upright can 
basically dictate your wheel back spacing, I'm guessing, as well as your height of the vehicle. Yes. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So people put lift kits on Jeeps. Uh, I have a lift kit on my Jeep. Sure. Um, it screws up the ride. Oh, well. and, and, and so the portal is what, a six-inch lift? No, basically built no, in? no. I mean, well, so mine right now, our current two gears, a four and a quarter lift. Okay. I'm Which, trying... by the way, on a JK is probably enough for a 38 it, plus, and on a JL it, speed it, enough it, yeah, for 40. 40s. So yeah. oh, oh, really? That I'm much? trying to, well, and that's that's another big challenge is um, gear strength is, is is heavily impacted by gear centers. So the larger your gear center is, the stronger it will be. Um, there's a lot of other factors into it, but that is a major play in gear strength. So I'm trying to shrink it down in the three inch range because okay. I have 35s on my daily driver yep. and it's like a two inch lift. My JK is a three and a half inch lift with 37s. So yeah, it's perfect. So I love it. I, I, I bought one of the JLs because it had yeah. a steering wheel. Well, and, all, well, and the JLs are awesome. And I had a chance to be a part of the JL program. And so it's I, a great vehicle. Yeah. And Rick Payway and I actually saw it two years before it came out. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Is it true? Um, the flip-flops? Yeah. Yes, yes it is. True that's story. badass, dude. That's so cool. So for those of you who don't know, if you look on the plastic cowl around your um, windshield wiper passenger on the JL, side. passenger side, in yeah. the right light, there is a slight texture to that. And there's uh -huh. a smooth texture of two flip-flops. Yep. And that was the Jeep design team was yeah. a little bit not of a nod to Rick Payway. Although we joke, Payway wears Tevas. He doesn't wear flip-flops and right. they're flip-flops. And so we always tease uh, Mark Allen yeah. over at Jeep. But uh, I don't think Payway was going well, to complain. We well, were, we nobody, were in. Nobody cool wears, wears <laughs> So here, here's a funny story. So we were in New Zealand driving the JLs for the first time. And Rick and I were two of the first journalists on the first wave in Australia and New Zealand to, to experience the new JL. We had been uh, with the team for a long time, uh, talking to them back and forth. We'd gone into and, and saw the engineering mules. We saw the very first buck of what it would look like, all that. And, and Rick and I gave the Jeep team about 30 things that we would like either improved or touched upon. Hmm. And they did about 25 of them. And That's so there's, there's things that we can point to and go... That was us. That was which is awesome. And so the engineers who wanted the same things that Rick and I wanted, or some of the marketing guys that wanted the same thing, they were able to use our conversation because we had engineers, we had marketing, we had. Didn't you suggest something for like the dash for your sunglasses or something like that? That was Payway did that on the old Commander on the uh. Jeep Commander. So if you look on the dashboard of a Jeep Commander, there's a little shelf for your sunglasses, and they call it the Payway Pocket because Rick had seen that earlier. Said go. we need something up here. But on the JL uh, off-road plus mode, that's on the new JT. That was a directly in relation to Rick and I's input. And so there's a lot of things on JL. So I'm a JK owner. I hope to be a JL owner someday. But you know, I'm a journalist, right? Yeah, so they're not cheap. They're not cheap. <laughs> um, but uh, it's like the JLs. Everything I love about my JK except fixed. Like all those little stupid things that bug me. So all of you that have leather interior on your JL and you have a gap guard so you can sleep in the back of your Jeep or your dog can be in the back and his legs doesn't go, doesn't go in the valley behind the seat folded down and break off, you're welcome. That's, <laughs> that, 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 That's that, cool. that was That was one of mine. So, I mean, there's a lot of little things on there. And so, Mark, uh, I, I gave him a little bit of crap. I'm like, wait, Payway gets flip-flops? So what do I get? He goes, oh, there might be a, a Easter egg of a bearded fat man on here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard. Um, but no, so we had we had. Some that would be the raddest thing ever, though, a bearded fat man somewhere it, buried in yeah, a, on a seat cushion or something. Someday something gets pulled apart and you're like, what is that? <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we had some say on that, and there's some cool things. But the thing I like about the JL, especially for what you're talking about, is the roll center has been changed. And yeah. the suspension is so much better. And with the high clearance fender flares on the Rubicon, 
you can already fit a 35 with no lift and 37s with like a two and a two and a half. So now if you're talking about having that factory roll center, so I'm a big proponent now. So in my in my younger days, I'm like, change everything. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, the factory has it pretty good. Maybe if I just change a couple little things and it's reliable, I'm good I, with that. I agree a thousand percent <laughs> with that comment because yeah. you got to figure too that like, okay, we lift trucks, we lift that stuff. They have a team of engineers yeah. there, and they do everything for a reason. Now, granted- So there's trade-offs sometimes. Yeah. So like, sometimes you can get something a little bit better. Uh-huh. But overall- Overall, it, the ride quality is never going to be as good as right. it is stock. The handling, flat out. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. True. So you can put your long arm kit on, a, oh, you know, flex is better. Uh, I don't I don't care. Yeah, but yeah. You, you don't want your loved one to be having to do an emergency lane change on the freeway. Or something like that. No, either, I, right? I already I mean, hear it from my wife because she yeah. thinks that it drove a lot better stock. Well, so yeah. there's that, right? So that that's where I want to go with the portal stuff is you could do a bolt-on version, and I've already looked at it. And so, okay, so you know that the that I have a sport. Okay. And so the Rubicons are two inches wider. Yep. Right. So you could package that thing to where I would be about another inch and a half wider than a Rubicon. Which oh. is fine for track width. Which is g- fine. Guys are already doing that with off- aftermarket offset wheel uh, tires anyway, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah, which, uh, I, yeah, I know. That's about it. I know. I, Don't I, get me started on scrub radius and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. so I, I might- screws up everything. I've got a Dynatrack, a Pro Rock in the front of mine. Okay. I've got a three and a half inch off-road evolution, but I've got the- um, the coil spring, not not the coilovers, because it's like that's more stuff, you know? Yeah. I have lower front arms. Yep. Everything else is stocks. Factory yeah. My Jeep doesn't squeak. It doesn't rattle. Yeah. It still rides uh-huh. out. And then I've got Bilstein bypass shocks, Bolton bypasses. So I can go haul ass in the desert. Yeah. And everything, I, I still use the factory Jeep uh, uh, tie rod in the front because well, it's you, great. Have you driven in one of the new JLs, like speed at speed through a desert with decent shocks? Um. No. Oh. I mean, d- define decent. I've driven a JT with the new Fox shocks that they have on there. Which, speed which ones? Uh, it's whatever. So the Rubicons on the JT, JL doesn't get it right now, but the Rubicon with the JT get Fox, Fox monotubes on it. They're not internal bypass, Okay, but they are a cool yeah, upgrade. Yeah, so I've got a bunch of friends at Fox, yeah. and we do a lot of, well, actually, there I, you go. There's a perfect I've been trying example. To get, I've been trying to get them in here, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I could get somebody. I, I could get somebody from Fox to come up and talk them appreciate in. it. We talked about MPMC, yeah. and then we just Who do you got, talk to there? Uh, I've got his card. I'll, I'll okay. look it up. Yeah. yeah, so. We could drag somebody up there. Yeah, okay. But so uh, we make a bunch of, or yeah, we make a fair amount of prototype stuff for Fox also because okay. we're close by. Yeah, but well, so, they've got a pretty big machine shop down there. It's they're in a Senate. Uh, El Cajon? The, no, or which one? Oh, you're Santee? talking about Scotts Valley. Scotts Valley. Okay. Well, Scotts Valley is northern. That's where their huge manufacturing plant is. In El Cajon, um, they run a couple things. They don't really do much prototyping in house. They okay. send it out to hacks yeah. like us. And, sure. And, yeah, which yeah. you're totally happy with. Oh yeah, no, it's fine. Um, but so I have I have their two and a half. Uh, well, I've had a couple different Fox sets of shocks on my JL. The okay. current ones that I have are badass. Like I can go yeah. so at Johnson Valley, heading out around the mountain. Yep. Through those, you know, there's yep. all those rolling whoops. Yeah. I can comfortably, with a drink in my hand, do forty. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and literally all I did in to a that, solid axle vehicle. In a solid axle vehicle. Yeah. With a heated steering wheel and heated seats. Exactly. Let's not forget that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's cool is on the JT, and I think on the JL, but I'm not 100% sure because uh, I don't know if they change. But anyway, 
On the JT, the engineer is basically package protected for a three-inch shock in the stock yes. location, uh, which is super cool. We prototype the pistons on those. Yes. And so there's other stuff that has been rumored to be coming that nobody can talk further about. But they, I'm just saying that that exists, and you could put a bigger shock, and they could put a bigger shock well, if they want to. They, I'll leave it alone. They have three O's for the JLs right now. Uh-huh. I'm supposed to, uh-huh. hey, Brian, get me a set of those. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah, I mean, even with my with my JK with the uh, bypasses on it, I can do 55, 60, yeah. no problem. And uh-huh. it's, I mean, it's stupid. Solid axle, coil yeah. springs with just a really high-end shock. Yeah. Badass. Yeah. The technology is really coming a long ways. So the only thing I did to my JL was I made lower links uh, for them. I made a, like, a solid one-piece billet mm-hmm. aluminum lower awesome. link. Awesome. And Are you going to sell those? I am going to sell those. Okay. Yes. We're 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 testing. Well, testing them. I gave them to some friends. <laughs> <laughs> and and next time I have a spindle open, we're going to run more of them. But that, uh, that'll be his new um, uh, subsidiary uh, seventy four uh, machined. Yes. <laughs> well, so we we had to, we originally I did them just straight lowers, and then we realized that you got to have that gentleman's curve in them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we did those, but literally all I did was put lower links on the front put a pair of coils front and yep. back and slap some shocks on it and the thing Everything is, else is and fine. the thing is freaking awesome. Yeah, and 35s are package protected from the factory. So th- you don't yeah. have to worry about anything breaking and now if you go to <laughs> well depending I, on the I, driver, I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, anything, anything can break. Uh, but if you're going what's interesting about that is if you're going to portals, you have the gear reduction anyway. So you could have the non Rubicon transfer case and still have that power to the to the ground, right? Well, I don't even think you need a Rubicon transfer case. That's what I'm saying is you could go to the 272 to 1 sport transfer case and not have to have a Rubicon. I personally like a taller transfer case yeah. anyways. Because well, I go, go fast. It, no, it's just driving style. Okay. For I, me, for me, I have a Sahara that I built up. Okay. So my my 12 is a Sahara with a stick. And ah, with I, a stick. Hold on. With a stick shift, you want that low. In a, in a JK, you do, and I should have done that, but I knew I was ripping all the Rubicon stuff off. Can you put a JL transmission in a JK? I mean- Easily? I don't think you can do it easily. Because that transmission is the greatest thing ever. I know. The eight speed's awesome. That eight H- speed. How long is... have you had the truck? Uh, almost a year. Yeah. Okay. I got it in March, I think, of last year. And that's yeah. all you've done to it so far? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I'm, I've made a couple other little products for it and stuff. But Are you yeah. selling any of these? Uh, once I get my act together. Yeah, no. <laughs> so so are, I make... are you that inventor that keeps making everything and then doesn't know how to sell it, how to get it to market? No, I'm paying other people to do that right now. I was going to say, if me. only you knew some, knew some no. uh, magazine guys, now, you wait, could get yeah, the word so out. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. This is twice you've said that, that we talked about marketing. You're like, I'm going to pay someone else to do that for me. Yeah, is that like not your that. passion? Or you just you just can't be bothered oh, no, with I, it or what? No, it's not that I can't be bothered with it. It's it's just it's not, not where my head's at. Nah, not really. I mean, um, there's plenty of people that are really good at that. So I, I recently just hired a new guy that's revamping. It's doing. He's going to do print media. He's going to do video. He's going to do a new website. Just like a. But what are you going to get a rep firm that brings it out to for, to distribution or what? Uh, we'll see. I'm a big fan of everything that I do. I'd rather grow organically. I'd, I'd rather start slow because you know when you chuck a bunch of resources at something, sometimes it works out. And if it's not directed and targeted properly, yeah. all you're going to do is just burn through hundred dollars or or piss people off. You, exactly. you may not be ready to ramp up to the demand well, if it ends up blowing up. Too. Yes, ex- yeah, and and that that is difficult because I can't you know I can't piss off all my existing customers that pay for it. Well, because right now I have a couple customers that essentially send me enough work that I get to take my best guys 
and have them do nothing but do R&D on portals. And that's something that I haven't been able to do for years because as a job shop, the problem that you run into is if you want to develop your own products, you've got to make money and then you bleed that money into product development. And then you have to stop and go, oh, crap, I better make money again. Right. So, I need inventory now and I need right. to make sure people so are So it's a balancing me. act. Well, I happen to have a couple customers that we just do repeat lots of production, repeat work. And over the last year, I've been able to take all of my higher end resources, the, the, the really the good guys that work for me and go, hey, guys, as long as the production work runs, we get to do whatever we want. And everybody, I mean, everybody that, that works at my place, they- They got to be in love with it. Oh, dude, you get to make really cool bitchin' parts that you're putting your name on at the end of the day. We're developing something for us as opposed to, you know, I, I mean, it's cool to say, oh, I made that part for the space shuttle. Yeah, that's cool. But <laughs> we're, well, okay. So everybody that, Everybody in my shop either goes to the desert or or has toys or like that's what they do as a spare, you know, in their spare time as a hobby. We'll go ride motorcycles. Hey, we're going to build trucks. Like we're all so kind when, of, when your parts are on your buddy's vehicle, it's way more special. Oh, it's way better. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, like you get to control it yourself. The thing that I, and, and again, coming back real briefly, touching on aerospace and the, one of the reasons I don't like that industry, they will take a a you'll have something that you've done for the same part over and over for a year and a half. They will pull that part from you to save 15 cents to send it to the shop down the street. And then guess what? The next time that contract goes up, they'll pull it from him and send it to somebody yeah. else. It's a race to the bottom. Hmm. So when you're yeah. making your own product, you get to dictate And they're talking terms. about some of the stuff being uh, like even the production of the, the end product, whether it's military or new plane, being a loss leader where they're mm. actually losing money selling it because what they're trying to do is get back into services. Mm. And so like, you know, Boeing's talking about the 797 middle of the market airliner and some of the military contracts where now there's a software and lifetime services package that you would subscribe to. And so the the plane isn't what makes the money. And so you nickel and dime your suppliers, you get it as low as possible, and then you make your money over the lifetime of servicing the, the well, object. That sounds like any car dealership. No, but there's there's industries. So, okay, should I talk about it? Uh, <laughs> so we're always going to say yes. So sol solar turbines, um, their business model is pegged to the price of oil. Oh, and, interesting. And as long as oil is above a certain dollar, you know, certain yeah. thir certain threshold for a barrel of oil – they're making profit. It hasn't been there in a long Is time. Is that why when I'm going down the 10 freeway toward Arizona, out in Palm Springs, Whitewater, half the turbines aren't even moving half the time? Because <laughs> Is that why they shut them off? Down? Because well, obviously they have a huge amount of maintenance. Well, no, no, no. Those, they're, so, they're maintenance intensive too. Well, you're, think, you're thinking the wind stuff. Yeah. 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 So solar turbines is the, they make, they make, uh, power generation units. Okay. The, it's essentially jet engines. Oh, Instead okay. of a jet engine on an airplane, Take that and make power with it. Okay, so that's like the uh, Huntington Beach has a natural gas turbine power plant. There you for go. Example, so right? that would be a solar turbine okay. product. So they How about the, like the big one out in Vegas. What's that one? Where they uh, debacle? No, is it a debacle? <laughs> no, so one out horrible. Well, so like they send a lot of stuff. Um, You're talking about the mirrors, right? The mirrors. Oh, Vegas. Where they cook birds. Where they yes. cook birds. And they, no, not just cook birds, they vaporize birds. Yeah. You know that the guys who work there have a term for that? They call them streamers. 
Because they'll fly through the plasma, and it's so hot, it's literally turning the air into plasma. They vaporize them, and they kind of stream toward the ground. Yeah. But what's messed up about that project, and I know this is like way off topic, but I'm like super mad that every time I drive to Vegas, I got to look at that monstrosity. What they sold, so basically the tower has, I think, molten sodium or something like that in it, right? right. Liquid so, sodium. So all the mirrors heat that up, mm-hmm. and that's part of the process. What they didn't account for <laughs> was the desert freaking cold at night. Yeah. And so in order to keep it near molten, they have, they to, have to use a turbine uh-huh. to heat it. Yes. So all the energy that they said it was clean energy, and it, it's actually uh, very expensive. Yeah, and they're running jet fuel. And they're running jet fuel in order to keep the plant going. <laughs> yeah. Because by the time- You're kidding no, me. Because no, because by the time- uh-uh. Time they heat up that tower, you're halfway through the sun's day. Well, you want to get way off on a tangent. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. But <laughs> we like tangents. Okay, all these people that that they think they're saving the environment by yeah. buying a Prius. Yeah. How do you think they get the lithium? Oh, for those batteries. Those are strip mines. strip mining. We've talked about yeah. this before. Oh. And not only that, but in certain parts of the country, you're not getting clean power. And even if you are getting clean power, hydroelectric, you're still killing fish and all yeah. sorts of stuff like that, too. So, I mean, it's like... Well, the, well, the Green New Deal is anything but green, guys. Anything well, but green. It's Well, I mean, you know... We're going to get really political uh, here, yeah, aren't I know. we? Uh, yeah, I <laughs> know. Like, do we really want to go there? Well, no, no, we we'll we'll we're, we're like-minded <laughs> in this room, I think. Uh, most of the people listening probably agree, too. But um, when, you, when you tell me that I shouldn't have kids... I can't have a hamburger when I want, and we should get rid of airplanes. I'm going to stop listening to you. Well, I already stopped listening to you. <laughs> well, the airplane thing, boy, I don't know. Uh, That'd be like, pretty hard. You yeah, know? Oh, yeah. No, no, We no. can't even build a freaking train in California from L.A. to San Francisco and have any sort of speed or anything, but we're going to get rid of airplanes to go across the country? You, you ever traveled to, like, Japan, been on a bullet train? No, but I heard it's oh, amazing. They're, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. Again, let's t- let's take this back to portal axles, back to, okay. uh, back to consumers. When do you... See in the in the no 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 no, in the foreseeable future no no I'm not asking about your company necessarily oh I'm saying hmm. are we talking one year or or ten years out from being able to buy a consumer off the dealer lot vehicle with portal axles you could do it right now you can yeah Mercedes. Which one? Yeah, the Brabus, right? Well, Brabus. Brabus. Yeah. So the you've got which obviously one? if you got a Unimog, the, well, the but then also the G wagon. Wait, oh, stop, stop. But the G wagon. But hold on, that's an aftermarket part. Part. Yeah, but didn't they do the? I think that, that four, the, four by four plus or the whatever four by four squared. Squared isn't yes. that portals from the so factory? So that is a portal. Uh, I think that that was a Mercedes project. I think you could buy it is that a Mercedes from the project. So that's a German company. I don't know. If that's if that's Brabus or one of those. Those are not. That's not Mercedes. No, 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 no. I understand that. You can buy a four by four square from by, your dealer. You're right. You're it right. It may be you're an right. outfitter. It may be the yes. same way. I want to say, aren't they like a quarter million? Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, for a quarter million dollars, I'll give you right? a <laughs> it's, it's no different than, let's say, Chevy taking the new Colorado ZR2 and sending it over to AV to create the Bison package Correct. and selling it from the dealer. Yes. Same type of a, an arrangement. Absolutely. I understand. But you can get, but yes, you can buy portals today. All yes. right. Let's, let's, okay. That's not what I was talking about. I'm oh. not talking about the extreme. You can always buy anything. That was literally what you were talking about. I, I mean, stop it. I don't you know think, I mean a Toyota. That's what I mean. I don't you know. Nobody's I mean buying a Toyota. Listen, <laughs> a Ford Nobody listening to whatever. the show. Right. Exactly. Except for that one guy who has a Tundra and I apologize. Okay. Listen, you know what I mean. I'm in a consumer vehicle that you can go down Beach Boulevard in Huntington Beach. I don't think the OEM would something. ever do that. I don't think so Well, either. that's what I was asking. No, I don't think so. I think the cheapest vehicle that you could probably ever get portals on new 
was probably a Hummer H1. Not was, will be. No, but I'm saying it existed. I'm, it's yeah. not so, such a novel An concept. An H1 would be a perfect example, but yeah. that was never a vehicle that was intended for, for no. civil No, so, I mean, the Alpha sort of was because they tweaked it a lot, and that was the last year of it, 2006, but then they killed off everything, and it so it kind of doesn't count, but just from your standpoint of Is a consumer- Is it just because it's cost prohibitive? Is that no. why? They know because they're, everybody just, wants lower and they want arrow and they want all that stuff. So I think it's counter. Well, when the soccer mom's driving down the road and she takes a hard left turn. And yeah, center gravity's high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're really, it, it's, the portals give you a lot of benefits. It's a lift kit, it's a re-gear, and it's ground clearance all in one. And the one thing that you'll never get in, you know, in, in any other form is ground clearance. I mean, right. You're not going to get... We get four and a quarter. We can, we can, I can take a paint bucket and yeah. slide it underneath the differential and have a fist underneath that. So, and you're still not. There, there's that saying that says the only way to lift a vehicle is new wheels and tires. That's it. There is zero ways to get more ground clearance than putting a new set of wheels and tires on. Okay, it's Ex- true. Except portal axles. Yeah, because the portal boxes raise the center line. Mm-hmm. What's the distance between the insides? Well, I realize it depends on the width of the vehicle, but all right. So I'm looking at the backside of the rim and tire. Yeah. What's the depth of the box? You'll never touch the boxes if you run a properly backspaced wheel. So six inch backspaced wheel. So you'd be. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. So with the, a six inch backspaced wheel, the, inside the, the rim inside the yeah, yeah, it's completely inside the rim. No, no, no. Okay, you've seen photos of them sticking out. Here. No, no, no. That's not what you want. You'll hit them on something and you'll break them open. Here's your. Here's what you talking about, Willis? So look right here. No, for real. I'm, I'm drawing. I'm drawing for lightning here. This is your typical axle. Here's a differential. Here's the C's on the end, right? Right. Typically, I see that. you would have your wheels would be like this, and your U joints and spindle would be here inside the rim, right? What a portal box does is it changes all that to where it mounts here. So now your wheel and tires like this, and your ground clearance has been improved. But that whole unit fits inside, inside of the wheel. wheel. Inside yes. the wheel. Inside and, the wheel. And where where my where my disc breaks? Well, there's plenty of room for breaks. Yeah, so instead of having and a by deep plenty dish, of room, I mean yeah, you can fit we them just, in there. Well, we design everything <laughs> a, a credit in card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't need. Yeah, it's fine as long as you, you hey, can move. clearance is clearance. Last time I checked, that's right. right. So think about it this way: a typical off-road truck, Jeep, whatever, will typically have a deep dish wheel because they're going to a wider tire, so they have to space it away from the chassis and the frame for scrub radius and all that kind of stuff, right? The difference is you would use more of a flat-faced, aggressively offset wheel like you would have a normal... Look, think of it... Like an OEM Like an OE, like a Toyota And they do that, by the way, for a reason. When you go to a three and a half or three and three quarter backspace wheel, well, first off, the wheel is weaker. People, and and I'll argue this all day long until the cows (laughs) come home and... Well, in my arrogant, humble opinion, you're just wrong. Uh, the, I love it. In my arrogant, that's a, a deep offset wheel. Manufacturers run that for a very good reason. Um, we won't get into all of the details of that, but um, look at what OEMs do. If you ever can, you know, if you ever really want to know about engineering vehicles, uh, look at what just a lot go of the, the, just go to the dealer lot, right? Well, I mean, kind of. I mean, you look around and there's. Again, they have teams of guys that are doing things for a reason. Now, if you actually dive into it and then figure out what the reason is, then it makes a lot more yeah. sense. Um, a deep dish wheel is a stronger wheel, and they do it for scrub radius. You know what scrub radius is? Nope. Just so going to let you explain it now. Okay. So if you're sitting, if you have a zero scrub radius, there's an imaginary plane from your upper ball joint, we'll call them ball joints, your upper ball joint, your lower ball joint, and the center of the tire contact patch. Okay. As you change your offset in wheels, 
you still have the same upper ball joint, lower ball joint center of, or center of contact patch, but your center of contact patch has now shifted out. It's moved away. So now you have Got different it. leverage. So the easiest way to tell, well, how's my scrub radius? Take a vehicle and turn it without moving and you'll feel the whole vehicle want to shift, shift side to side. Got it. That is Im- that's improper. That is that's a, a result of scrub. That's of a result scrub of having scrub. Now, okay. in certain circumstances, that's a good thing. In rock crawling, I would like a, an inch or two of scrub because when you get on a big waterfall and start working the wheel, you can actually push the vehicle sideways. Yeah. Pivot off of right. you can pivot off things unless Where you're if you on have, a, a JL with its new electric steering and you can't. <laughs> but for example, if you're like yeah. it bound up yeah. in New Zealand, it was funny because you know on a with, on the, a, with an uh, aluminum box too. Yeah. It scares no, me. I know. And and we had <laughs> we were all bound up on this one rocky trail, right? And so stupid me, I rev it up to try and get some more hydraulic pressure. Oh yeah, it doesn't and the <laughs> engineers are laughing at me. They go, "Hey, um, it, it's electric." I'm like, "What? Force of habit." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> So like an F1 car would be zero scrub radius right over the ball joints. I don't know. Yeah, uh, no I'm idea. just saying, but like- Most most likely, I would per- imagine, yes. I guess yes. a high-performance car. Yeah, a yeah. high-performance car, you would, because that's going to that, that's going to influence your steering, and the more high-performance the car, the more you're actually going to feel that. So yes, there is no such thing as a high-performance car that has four inches of scrub. Not yeah, going to happen. You're not going to see a, a, a car that has- Well, because what it wants yeah. to do is the vehicle will want to push. So as you're driving- So essentially it, understeer. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it'll it'll feel weird. And for those of you listening, uh, I guess the best way understeer and oversteer has ever been described to me, and I and this isn't technically perfect, but it, it gives you uh, illustration. Is understeer is when the nose hits the wall, and oversteer is where the tail hits the wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. Well, I guess you answered my question. I think that the consumer. You guys listening? Oh will no, never I didn't get a portal I, axle. I, no, 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 I didn't answer. <laughs> I didn't answer the question. Well, hold on. You're not going to get it from an OEM. Um, we're working on it. What am I going to say? I'm not going to say that I'm going to have, oh, yeah, in three weeks. No. Um, we are, we're still focusing on the race. We prove stuff in race, and then we scale it down for the consumer. That's really the only I way. I think all the, all the best companies do that. I mean, look how much stuff, again, comes out of F1. Yeah. Aerospace comes out of F1. I was just about know? to say that. It, you know, people think that aerospace is cutting edge. Okay, so Boeing's new 787 yep, Dreamliner. Dreamliner. It's what not, is it? Not it's, the uh, the eight or what Max eight? That's uh, not the Max eight. So the the seven eighty seven Dreamliner, which is the newest, latest, greatest. It's what is it like sixty percent carbon? Yeah. The resin formula for that carbon was developed and proven thirty five plus years ago. That is not new technology, and that technology typically a lot of aerospace comes from Formula One. Yeah, because racing, well, you can't play around in aerospace. Oh, well, yeah, let's yeah. try this. Yeah, oops. Yeah, oops. I mean, look what, you know, and again, I think, well, getting yeah. getting getting political, I think that everybody's rushing to judgment on the Boeing thing. Uh, we don't really 100%. know. We don't really know yeah. what caused those planes to go down. So grounding those things. Is, now, you need to look into that and well, you need yeah, to look well, into absolutely. it. So there's, a, there's a reason America hasn't grounded them. Every other well, country. So here so just in. I'll jump in cuz I everybody who follows me on my Instagrams have knows I love aviation and so I've always I I planes I, I just I love planes and stuff. Just real quick, if you haven't heard, so the Max Eight, the difference between the Max Eight and the Next Generation, which were the last versions of the uh, of the seven thirty seven, is that the engines are bigger, more efficient. They put them a little bit forward on the wings, so that changed the center of gravity. So Boeing had a software deal that, under certain throttle conditions, 
the nose would pitch up. It uses the rear uh, elevators to push the nose down to keep it from stalling. And so in apparently in the Lion Air, there's some conjecture that the pilots weren't trained and didn't know that that feature existed. Boeing certainly didn't do a good job of, it's called the MCAS, of putting that in the, the manual, on and on and on. So they're making a software update. It's Here's the thing. Southwest, uh, I think they said that they, they've been in service with Southwest for three years. They've had 31,000 flights right. with, without any issues. And um, the other side of it is that American pilots, so the pilot in the Ethiopian crash had the, uh, excuse me, the first officer had 200 hours, which isn't a lot. To have that seat in an American airline, you have to have 1,500 hours. And so American pilots are trained so much better. And so anyway, there's a lot of things. We have to see what happens, what comes out of it. I'm a big aviation buff. Uh, I fly, you know, I fly a lot. I'm on the 737 all the time. I probably fly 75 to 100,000 miles a year for, for what I do. Um, I'm probably going to be on a max when I'm in Europe next week or in two weeks. So, I mean, it's... Well, I don't know about in Europe. They, yeah, well, no, they're grounded. Maybe yeah, they won't, won't be by then. Yeah, yeah that's well, true. Yeah. It'll be a 900 or something then. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, the, going back to the whole point of this is you can't experiment because there isn't yeah. a tire barrier that's going to catch your but, plane But racing, oh, yeah. Yeah. Racing is, is all about experimenting. And what's interesting about racing, too, is you figure out how to lightweight while retaining strength, right? Yeah. And uh-huh. that's that's aviation as well, because mm-hmm. the more that you take out of it, just like you're going to like a Ford F-150 that has the aluminum body but still has a steel frame, they lightweighted the body to give more capability back to the frame, right? Okay, so, so thing. perfect transition, racing and all this stuff. So we're in the development stage right now um, for a pretty famous trophy truck driver. Um, where he wants to do uh, a four-wheel drive, four-wheel independent portal oh, badass. race car, um, a trophy truck, and he wants to hit 3,800 pounds with that. He oh. wants to stay at about 4,000 pounds. Now, trophy trucks, for those who don't know. Yeah, what are they, 5,000? No, more. 6,500? Oh. Heavy. Six, 6,500 pounds. Yeah. So how do you do, because the portal axles are No, it has nothing to do with portals. It's, okay. It's change your whole mindset of how you approach it. So everybody in- Especially with four-wheel independent suspension, because now yes. you're, you're it, the whole thought process of how you power through something or go over something, wheel travel, all that stuff changes. If you, I mean, so- so much of, unfortunately, our industry, I feel, is monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. And so everybody just, you know, they see they see like a, um, a geyser truck. Um, they're fantastic trucks. They're all in the six to 6,500, you know, pound range. They do fantastic through long desert, whoops, all that stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden people get the mindset, well, they've, they got to be heavy to travel that way. No, it's power to weight ratio. Yep. You don't need 90 gallons of fuel if you weigh- uh, 2,000 pounds less. If you're 2,000 pounds less. Yeah. Mm. And there are engine packages out there um, that can produce 1,000 horse that yep. weigh a lot less. There's, and, and again, everybody will think, oh, well, it's got to be, you know, big block motor. Yep. Uh, turbo 400. Solid rear axle. Solid rear axle. Okay, throw all that stuff away. And this comes back to um, when we, when when I was originally looking to for a test bed for the portals, um, for the parts that I'm going to develop, I turned to Igor at Triton Engineering because the guy likes to think outside the box. Um, he likes to try crazy stuff. And I've, I've never seen anybody in off-road that's willing to push boundaries and try new things. The guy's a mad scientist. So this is 
this is on that level, but it's it's like a whole nother. It, I mean, that sounds really exciting well, to me. You can't and, sell. You can't see him, but uh, Quinn is getting really. Yeah, yeah. He's grinning here. No, absolutely. When, when we talk about this kind of stuff, I get something out. really. Yeah. you're anticipating something really special like, happening, like groundbreaking. It, it, okay, so this truck will be like nothing that the desert racing world has ever seen. And again, um, it doesn't mean it's going to be a success. There will be a lot of really cool new stuff coming out in, in off-road. And it, and I find it interesting, too, because like I'm a four-wheel drive guy. Yeah, I've, I I've, too. I've never... I mean, I'm a rock donkey at heart. Uh, okay. I, I started as a rock crawler. I'll always go back to... For me, I've always been a go fast in the desert, but yeah. I, I hated getting myself into a situation where like deep, soft sand, silt, things like that, where I couldn't self-recover or or whatever. And so for me, I've always liked four-wheel drive for that reason. Mm-hmm. And I also remember like when Josh and I were racing, I was I co-drove with him in uh, 06 when we won our class in, in the 1000. And I remember we came up to this one like chewed up, probably 100 foot high sand hill. And there were people struggling like crazy. There were motorcycles that were buried to the hubs. There were rear engine cars that had lawn darted on the back and were like vertical because <laughs> they had powered up and just, Boom. you know, and, and, and you guys just putt right. Yeah. Up, Josh goes, nothing. you ready? Yeah. You want to hit four low? Yep. You want to hit the lockers? Lockers on. Yeah. All right, let's do it. And that had a six liter V8. It was built on a Hummer H2. And... And by the way, that thing weighed almost 8,000 pounds. Oh, crap. But we hammered down. We must have passed 30 people. Yeah. It was like... At what what speed? It doesn't matter. They were standing. They were standing still. They were at zero, and we were (laughs) passing them. And then we get to the top, and it's like, all right, lockers out, back to high range, let's go. It was awesome. And and the the go-fast stuff is a lot of fun. Like, we used to always... So we used to... Well, I guess still do, but... Um, Johnson Valley was my stomping ground. It's that's kind of been my home for awesome 15 place. years. Yeah. It's a great place. So we would always run the trails, and we'd get to the backside of the mountain, and then you know there's that huge, wide, and uh, that that dry lake. You've got a uh, a big wash that runs around the mountain, loops you back to camp, and we would always rock crawl and then haul ass back to camp, race back to get a beer. And, you know, that's sort of like, you know, going back to talking about Dave Cole and King of the Hammers and how that sort of started. It was those guys and those types of vehicles who wanted to still race each other after they were done rock crawling. Well, we'd rock crawl and then race back to camp. And then all of a sudden it became a a massive event. Yeah, Yeah. right. (laughs) It's incredible. He was a great interview, by the way. Oh, you guys interviewed Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I know Dave from like way back in the day when Dave had his red Toyota. Oh yeah, do you remember? Did yeah, you, do you know? Did you know Dave way back then? So I knew of Dave, and okay. so I was at the magazine. But I knew of Dave because of uh, a couple of our staffers, and so yeah. So I've always he, I, Dave liked to point out that the magazine that uh, Holman worked at did not support <laughs> his endeavors. Hold on, not well, not true. So uh, when Dave was with Tin Benders way back in the day, I did a freelance article for Kappa. Okay, uh, for four wheeler or Peterson's? no, it no, it was. Uh, no, we ran it in JP. Oh, was it of, off a of Jeep? Okay, it was. It was for Jeeps um, so, at the Tim Bender Jambo. Okay, so at that time it was Kappa Hazel and probably Pete Trasborg. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That well, that's what I did. I did okay. freelance for them when I was in college. See? There wow, what a small world! Well, a super yeah. small world. So yeah, yeah. zero degrees of separation. And, and, right and, here, I, by the and way. I've never met Quinn before, and so like we've no. and same thing with Dave Coles. Like I, we've orbited well, in the, the same only space. reason that we even got connected was because of Kappa. Yeah. Yeah, because Kappa texted me and said, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, what? And Kappa does what again? 
So Kappa used to be the editor for JP Magazine and then Four Wheeler Magazine, and now he freelances for us. And uh, you should see him kick the crap out of a uh, Ranger vehicle in the desert. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> no, uh, Ka- Kappa is uh, well known in the off-road journalism community, and uh, he just you what know, is it like eight guys? <laughs> oh no, no, no. There, there's a lot more, but Nine. but we yeah. all we we all kind of are in the same space, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. it is small. There's, there's probably, I would say, well-known people forty. When you think of the average, you know, truck buyer or uh, Raptor buyer in the rest of the world, do you think that they understand that so much of that truck was born out of the Southern California desert? And this is California pompous, like times a hundred right now. But a a lot of these inspirations. Well, Quinn Shop are... is in El Cajon. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. as I'm saying is that well, the street hold the, on, the, the physical street that I'm on. You have McMillan's down the street. You have the other McMillan race team there. You have Tisco. You have Fortin, and you have Score. And so on any given day, we'll see trophy trucks up and down. One sure. But I mean, the, the consumer benefits all around the world to what's happening here, or at least in off road. You know, there's teams that are based in Arizona yeah. and everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to make it about Southern California, but the off-road industry, well, right? The racing it's industry, the mecca, absolutely, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you even have Nevada teams, teams that you would associate with Nevada, mm-hmm. like Terrible Herbs, mm-hmm. are in Huntington Beach. Yeah, like they're down the street from me. Yeah, like so, That's Southern a California. Nice yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, it's right. In fact, it's right behind Boeing. Uh, behind Boeing <laughs> it's probably cleaner than Boeing. <laughs> it, I, I I worked at Boeing for. Uh, oh, is that over years. by? Oh, by Leisure World. Over there. No, that's still, no, no, that's Steel Beach Steel Bowling. Beach? This is Huntington okay. Beach Bowling. Yeah, over by the other side of the Steel Beach uh, Naval Weapons Center. Oh, gotcha. That strange building that opens up along <laughs> the seam of it that I can't figure out what went inside of there. No, but uh, that's the strangest. Oh, is that Wh- what it was? Which one? Which building? It's a vertical building with doors that yeah. are like, Those are like rockets. 30 so stories tall. People don't realize this, but the Huntington Beach plant mm. used to build parts for the Saturn V rockets. Oh. And so what's funny is when I worked the there. The hell's in that building now? I, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't been there in a while, but I, I worked. They still make that stuff. They make a lot of cool stuff there. Delta Four and Delta Three were based out of there. I think even the original, the Delta Twos, were based out of Huntington Beach. I worked fire and security after I left the police department. Blah blah blah, whatever. So I got to go into all those buildings, and I remember a couple funny stories. Uh, after and this was terrible. Herp's shop used to be on Boeing property and was part of the property they spun off when they started mm. closing and shrinking the plant. They had uh, shut down a building and dug up this building in order to clean out the ground and everything. And they found the fuel tank for like a Saturn V filled with old diesel fuel that they just buried on oh site. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I remember when when Boeing uh, merged or bought uh, McDonnell Douglas, there was spray paint in the, one of the buildings that was getting sold off. And it said, mm-hmm. McDonnell Douglas forever. And I was doing my night run. I worked graveyards. And actually, that's how I got into this job is I would work graveyards. And I didn't want to go into law enforcement, and I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I had left law enforcement. I was, I was sort of cooling my jets at Boeing. What a flunky. And a friend of mine said, <laughs> hey, uh, I need a freelancer. Can you write some stories? Because he and I had met at a previous job. He knew I loved trucks. And so while I worked graveyards at Boeing, the days I would freelance. I would go write, and that's how I got into this job. So anyway, I was on a uh, – they call punches. And so there's a little, like, metal disc that you tap, and it shows management. So there's – uh, there's national security stuff, right? And there's classified vaults and you have to have a security clearance for with the government, all that stuff. And so you have to go in each of these places once an hour to make sure that nothing bad is going on, that nobody's left classified materials out, all that stuff. So you you have a route and then you have a punch and then management can show if it ever a gets audited. A punch is a key card? Sort of like. It's like a little uh, metal battery. 
and then you have a wand and you hit it and it marks the date and time that you were there. Okay. So that if there's ever an audit for the classified areas or for the rest of the plant, mm. they can say a security guard went through here at these times. Okay. And so there's this dark, dark plant uh, building that they had shut down. And I was walking through Ooh, and there's spooky. a there's a hundred ton press, like massive. It's like five stories tall. And there's a body. And a dead body? There's a body. Looks like the dude is leaned over in the press, totally smashed, right? And his what? and his arms are out like this. And I'm I'm by myself, it's graveyards, right? So I'm already freaked out. And I'm walking up and I'm walking up and I'm walking up and I sort of kick it and some newspaper falls out of the arm. And somebody oh. had stuffed it to make it look like somebody oh, off themselves. Dude. Scared the crap out of me, dude. Not cool. <laughs> not, oh, cool not cool at all. all. But, but anyway. I would have loved to have uh, a secret video on you. You know what I mean? <laughs> dude, I, was, I was white. I was like, so, yeah, seriously. The Southern California thing. Yeah. No, I don't think that they have any idea. Well, I don't know. What, you're, you're alluding to? No, I wasn't alluding to anything. I just um, sometimes, you know, we... We have been accused of like California pompousness and talking about Southern California. We're based from the here, truck market, from but, the truck market, oh. and, and and but I but I do yeah. want to in in a positive way, you know. Um, certainly, some of the design centers are here. But if you're driving in a Raptor in the middle of the country, that was uh, developed here that in was developed here, right? In Ocotillo, so, it's a, San Marcos, right? Well, part of that. So with do you? JD. So yeah, with JD Fab, yeah, because the original prototypes had mm-hmm. so. Uh, we've talked about, there's a whole episode where I talked about Raptor and sort of what happened. I broke the story. Ford hated me for a while. Long story, but we talked <laughs> about it in a previous episode. Yeah. So if you haven't heard that, go look for the inside story of a Raptor because it's, it's actually a really good episode. We talk yep. about JD Fab and we talk about um, all that stuff. It's funny. John Marking showed me, I was at the original Raptor media drive and they had the, the cutaways for the front shocks, right? And these are their internal bypass, you know, mm-hmm. shocks. And it was a Wazoo idea at the time. And, and now they're pretty commonplace, you know, TRD pros and a bunch of other stuff. And what's funny, and I think I've told this on the show before, but what makes me laugh is when guys go out and they buy a leveling kit for their first generation Raptor. And they go and they get some really crappy, like, welded disc or a puck, and they put it in there and like, yeah, dude, fit 35s on my Raptor. And you're going, you totally ruined it. Uh, Fox had gotten pushed through Ford Engineering and nobody caught it. The snap rings to adjust the lower seat for the spring. Mm-hmm. And there were three levels just like on their aftermarket shocks. And so we joked at the time there was, uh, I think it was like uh, stock, level with the bed, and then nose high, and each one was an inch apart. We called that the El Cajon mode. Yes, <laughs> but well, you got to have white fender. You got to have white fender, really, white yeah. fender mafia, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. But it's so funny because I'm like, you, your shocks had that. You went and spent two hundred dollars uh-huh. to level your your truck, and all you had to do is take off the stock ones, put the snap, the snap ring, ring and yeah. you would have been. Yeah. been Nobody knows. It's so funny. No, but I mean, really, not touting. Southern California. Well, yeah, touting Southern Heck California. Heck yeah, SoCal Pride. No, no, straight up, like the innovation kind of comes out of here, yeah. and and even you know, and even Fox. Fox is going through growing pains right now, but you'll see all of their innovation that they're putting into consumer vehicles. Some crazy stuff, by the way. It really came cool. from race. It flat out came out of El Camino. You're saying they're race. going through uh, growing pains because of the OE work they're getting. Oh yeah, huge OE o- contracts. OE is yeah. no joke. Yes. Well, so we, we could it to, could it crush them? No, I don't think so. They're they're a big company. They can handle it. Yeah, you know, all all companies go through growing pains. They weren't always big. No, but they didn't grow like that big overnight. I mean, yeah. look at they've been making the Raptor stuff for a long time now. This is a long time yeah. coming. Oh, what ten was the first year of the Raptor? I think. Yeah, and and 
now obviously they're getting into all got of Toyota, the you got TRD, you've got the Ranger Raptor overseas now. Mm-hmm. You've got I mean mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of stuff. Well, and there's a lot of other stuff that they're standard prototyping they the, work on. Standard and, on the JT Rubicons. Yep, and that you haven't seen yet. Yeah. Yeah. Tell it, me about it. Quinn? No, I'm not, I'm not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, anyways. That's right. Yeah. Cease and desist. He steps in on the turning. Well, I don't, even, our I don't door. even think I have an NDA with Fox. Oh, sweet. Weird. We're good. How often do you sign NDAs? Um, do you have more than me? <laughs> quite a bit. I, get, I mean, yeah. you're doing prototyping. They've got to have you sign some stuff. You know, or is it just a, a handshake? No, no. I mean, Quinn, don't screw this up, buddy. No. I, well... It, again, it's a small industry, so reputation matters. Um, I take NDAs very serious. I, I think most As people should. Um, but a lot of it, too, I mean, I, I don't, I, well, I wouldn't go and just like I don't really want to, I'm not talking about the like the trophy truck stuff that we're doing um, and then a couple of the companies that we're working with. I, I, it's not that I can't talk about it. It's that I haven't cleared it with them. So out of respect, I'm not going to mention names. And gives you a chance stuff. to come back and talk to us when those come out. Well, because we yeah. want, we'll definitely want to have you. <laughs> there back. is that, dude. The uh, okay, the truck, the truck is going to be insane. Yeah, I, so I, truly, yeah. truly groundbreaking. Yes, it's never. So I, I will say it. Yeah, obviously I'm working on it because we're going to develop portals for them. Um, it's it's a different style of portal that's never. It has never been done. Period. All right so, then. Okay, so por- you've had you've had portals. I'm on- letting this soak in for a second. No, no, no. So you've had you've had portal boxes that have been done by major automotive manufacturers. Obviously, all the stuff that we did started out based off Mercedes. Um, you've got Hummer that you know they they ran portals. You've got Mercedes or not Mercedes uh, Volkswagen. Yep. Volkswagen um, back in the day did that stuff. Uh, they did on what? Bus. Did the bus have portals? Yeah. They made them with portals. That's awesome. Um, okay. Like uh, old, like transporters and stuff? I, I don't know Ooh, the years. Let me see, let me see if I yeah, can find Google, it. Well, you got to computer now, now, I'm, now I'm super curious. And then you'll have it. You've had plenty of that stuff. And again, it, um, Americans, I feel, are somewhat scared of this kind of stuff. It's been over in Europe for a long time, and then it's been in agriculture. I mean, it's been in mm. agriculture forever. Um, that's nothing new, and they they've done you know huge gearboxes. All it is is a gearbox. And okay, so you mentioned earlier, you know, moving parts, lots of moving parts. Um, I hear that argument all the time, and I typically, uh, yes, the uh, the Kubelwagen, which okay. was the with a military like command car, I guess. Uh, okay. I know Volkswagen did prototype by Ferdinand Porsche in 1938. Um, I don't know if the portals go that that far, but it was based on a uh, on a Beetle was modified. But I think the portals were made in order to give it a lift. Well, so what it does, I mean, if you want to lift a four-wheel drive vehicle, you instantly get, and viewers can't see this, but your your arms will go, instead of being flat, they're at an angle. Right. Well, the problem there is you've got CVs that now have to, they have to be able to handle compound angles, right? So not only do you have to have travel from suspension, you also have to have steering. Well, a portal essentially will allow you to lift the vehicle but retain flat angles for CVs at ride height. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to get more steering. Now, um, there's you, you can get more wheel travel and more steering. So okay. like on, on the cars that, that Igor built, um, I have car number two, Jordan Pellegrino has car number one. We get 38 degrees of steering and 22 inches of wheel travel wow. on a four-wheel drive front end. Wow. So what's a, wait, 38 degrees, what's a, what's a Silverado? So, 
Oh, geez. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't maybe know. Maybe what? Is it 24? What, you know what I'm saying? 10 like, inches of wheel travel, maybe? Well, yeah, wheel travel no, no, is probably the night You're talking about steering. Oh. steering. steering no, angle. they're still going to have good steering. Yeah. 35-ish? 35-ish, yeah. Okay. Um, but the fact that you could have, I think the... So a typical four-wheel drive trophy truck, non-portal, will probably, or the, like an Ultra 4 car, there, that's most a, that's of them... A good, it's a good example. You'll get the steering. You'll have 38 yeah. degrees of steering, no problem. Yeah. 17, 18 inches of wheel travel. So you may have 24 to 30 plus in the back, but then only have 15, 16, 17 in the front. Yeah. So mm. portals allow you to And they've gotten a little more. better. Yeah. But there's no substitute for just taking that center line and moving it up four and a quarter inches. Interesting. So yeah. here's uh, here's our, uh, our the first portal uh, story. So yeah, so on the Kubel wagon, and apparently it was only two-wheel drive based on a Beetle. Yeah. But they wanted to have better performance, and so they used portals on the rear axle. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, the sol- according to this article, it says the solution killed two birds with one stone because now the vehicle with the gear reduction was able to, to drive alongside marching troops. So before, it had gone too fast. And with the portals, it slowed it down. <laughs> and, yeah. and Seems so- like an odd reason, though. Oh no! So you keep all your stuff with you. Well, right, if you your... keep your drivetrain with the same gearing and add a, an additional gearbox outside of it, well, and, and additional torque also. Yes, and so this comes back to um, where I'll argue with guys. Oh, are they going to live? Are they going to live? Well, if if the portal lives, everything else inside of it just became exponentially stronger. So. Trophy trucks years ago had issues breaking ring and pinions. They oh, would spend yeah. three to five thousand dollars on a ring and pinion. That what is would a last... typical trophy truck? Uh, I mean, it's it's like a gallon of gear lube or something, isn't it? It's some ridiculous amount because mm. of the amount of heat that the rear well, ends. Well, so create. they actually run their axle seals typically at the very outside of the axle tube, mm. um, and they'll fill the entire, entire thing. Housing. Oh, yeah. you're kidding me! With oh, dude, it's a it's it's you know that's a lot of weight it's too. A lot of weight. <laughs> they would go through a ring and pinion like every race. Right. And um, I I don't want to say this wrong. I don't know that Jason was the first one to do it, but Jason at TubeWorks developed an underdrive unit that is essentially, it's the same concept. It's a gearbox that's a gear reduction box that would, ba- that would mount to the back of the a Turbo 400 or whatever transmission you want to run. And they're in the 1.3 to 1 gear reduction. Well, so then instead of running a 586 ring and pinion where your pinion gear becomes it's very really small, small. So that it's susceptible to breakage. Right. So then you'd go to a 411 ring and pinion and you'd buy a $1,000 ring and pinion that would last you an entire season. Interesting. So, so that $8,000 gearbox that's, oh, it's so expensive. All of a sudden, it just paid for itself in three races. Oh, yeah. and I still have the same ring and pinion so in So for there. guys who are listening or trying to understand that, the reason that it's not generally recommended to go deeper than like a 538 and really even a 513 on a Jeep. Yeah. 538 for me is really marginal and 513 is sort of like that's my comfortable limit is because the pinion gear gets so small because I guess you have more teeth on the ring, right? Mm-hmm. And the pinion gets so small that you don't have all that material. So when you back down into a mid fours, mm-hmm. 411, a 456, you yeah. have a lot more material that can handle the stresses being you know, sure. set through the drive, which is part of why when we went from away from the Unimog, the Mercedes gear set, it's a deeper gear set. We saw that the only and and I've seen a lot of eh, not a lot of failures, but I've seen failures of of uh, Unimog gear sets, and they all fail in the same spot. You'll develop a crack from the from the crest of a spline 
to the root of the tooth because there's only oh, about a quarter of an inch of material there. Because they're so, they're so low. Because it's such a small pinion. Yeah. So when we go to a taller gear set, yes, it puts more stress on interior components, but you're still, it's, it's essentially taking- Still better than stock. It's, well, it's a lot better. You're taking 55% of the load off of interior components. And this and goes back to your, your point earlier where you're talking about gear strength comes from the center. Yes, absolutely. So, so having extra, meti- uh, extra material there um, and having more tear out essentially from the, from the splines to the, gear, or to the top of the gear or to the root of the gear, I guess, um, having extra meat there uh, is essentially like going from a 586 ring and pinion to a 411. It's just, it's, it's, night and day. it's a whole, yeah, it's absolutely night and day. I've so, learned a lot on this show so far. Well, uh, oh, but have you retained well, it? I don't even that. think we've really touched on half the stuff. <laughs> uh, but anyways, well, have I retained it? No. I mean, the answer <laughs> is maybe 30%. <laughs> yeah. But I've learned a lot about portal axles. You know what's going to happen is nothing I'm, about. you and I are going to go out to a race, and you go, hey, that looks pretty cool. What is that? I'm like, oh, that's, that's a portal, portal axle. <laughs> well, my I'm gonna my wife's going to go, what would you guys talk about on the show? I'm going to go, portal axles. She's going to say, what? And I go, just never yes. mind. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, what you say is listen to the show. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Quinn, man. Yeah, you've got a lot of info up there, up, upstairs there. Yeah, it, it. And I had no idea that we had all the same friends. So <laughs> yeah, well, it's a small world. It is well, a small world. So congratulations on the success, because it, it feels like you've got some explosive growth potentially ahead of you. I, I feel bad because you're going to have to figure out how to manage it, because I can tell that that's not Especially fun after this for show, you. <laughs> Because I can tell that you are, you know, like I said, you you love inventing and being on that leading edge. But like you've talked about the sales side, you're like, just let someone else take care of that well, for me. You just want to invent and create and make. Well, uh, yes. I mean, to a certain extent. So I have, I have a criteria that if I'm going to make something, it has to fall into one of three categories. Nobody makes it. So I want it and I'm going to make it. Somebody makes it. And it's super expensive for absolutely no reason. Or crappy. Or somebody makes it and it's junk, so I might as well make it myself. If if a product doesn't fall into one of those three categories, it's not worth making. Like, I'm not going to go out and make bumpers for a Jeep. There's plenty of good companies that make that stuff. I'd much rather go out and buy it. And and, and I can't tell you, okay, so having a machine shop. <laughs> <laughs> Here you comes. know how many friends I have? Hey, dude, you should make me. <laughs> bumpers. Yeah. No. Hubs, hubs. Uh, you should make me hubs. These things are nine hundred dollars. I go. That's a really good price. You should buy five sets of them. <laughs> like a, a single. Okay, a wheel hub. Yeah. If somebody came to me and said, "I want you to design and make me a wheel hub," okay. Uh, why don't you go buy one? No, I want you to do it. Um. Twenty grand. Oh. And and at twenty grand, I don't know that maybe break even if you're lucky. Yeah, I'm not going to make any money at that. Wow. Because. You know, what, what a lot of people don't understand is there's so much down to little nuances of, okay, here's a perfect example. Wheel studs on race cars. There are there's several different materials that people would make wheel studs out of. For a long time, they would make them out of 300M, right? Axle shaft material. Yep. Well, 300M, when you heat treat it, is is a fantastic material. It's, it's super durable. Um, it, has, it has amazing elasticity. It has really good memory to it. So it can twist and twist right back. Well, the one thing that 300M does is it work hardens. So oh. on a wheel stud, running a lug nut on, off, on, off, yep. on a race car, all of a sudden, you'll have a race car going down the track and the wheel falls off because all the, sh- all the wheel studs shear off. I had that happen oh. on a Jeep once on the uh, road. And, and so there's a reason that 
Now, a lot of the OEM stuff is made out of 8620. Um, 8620 is super common bolt material. Um, it's good quality material. There's better stuff out there. We make wheel studs out of 4140 because 4140, you can still harden. You can still make it's a heat treatable material. You can get it extremely hard. You can still hit almost 60 Rockwell with, 40, with 4140. It does not work hardened. So there's little nuance. And, and I mean, we could literally go on for hours about the specific materials that you use for specific things inside of, you know, hubs Just a hub. or boxes or whatever you want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about all of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we did. It, and if we okay. continue, this is going to go on to episode number 60. Uh, yeah, I think it's 59, right? 59, yeah, 10 off greatness. All right. So, so <laughs> if I had my race truck ready to go, yeah, everything was designed. And I said, I just need my portal boxes. Well, you went too far. <laughs> You're supposed to contact us. All earlier. right. If I contacted you first, yes. did what you wanted me to do. So it was all prepped. Mm -hmm. What would it, what would I have to trade you in terms of uh, favors, Benjamins or otherwise? I prefer Benjamins. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what's a, what's a portal setup? So the current two gear race, um, they range seven to ten grand a corner. Okay. So if you're going to honestly, that's not unreasonable. If you're going to fabricate well, I guess your it's a race team, well, if you're going to fabricate your own upright, yeah, um, we give you a builder backer plate to build off of. Um, if you want us to make you a one piece aluminum with the box integrated into it, that you're you're right in the ten range. Okay. Yeah. Now ten grand a corner. Now yes. What are you? What would your dream delta be? on your Jeep kit for the consumer? Like I, if you could that's, hit- That's a question I ask. Well, I have numbers in my mind. I'm going to spin that back at you. Okay. What would you pay okay. for a set of four portals? And now here's what it would include. So you're going to retain your factory knuckles, mm -hmm. factory axles, sorry, inner axle shafts you'll keep, U-joints, that stuff. On yep. the rear, obviously we're going to have to do new axle shafts on yep. the rear. But it would be a complete 100% bolt-on kit using your factory brakes. It would obviously it's going to be a different rotor, but you'll have your wheel sensors integrated into that. What would that be worth to you? So I'm going to say a really high-end suspension lift kit, mm -hmm. probably with all the fab included. Yep, could easily be nine to twelve grand. Okay, I knew and then so, say ten. So I would say. I would probably be around but 10, you still 20, have... 2500 a corner, knowing yeah. that I still have to buy suspension, at least good shocks. And you it, still right? have to re-gear. You're not going to put... Yeah. I mean, you Because you won't need to re-gear when you do the portals. You don't need to re-gear with yeah. portals, because we assume you're going to run bigger tires. Now, yeah. I mean, if you want to well, run, <laughs> run 28s and that, hey, yeah, yeah, that's, that's up, up to you. To you but... yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I would say 2500 to three grand a corner, so you come out in the 10 to 12 mm -hmm. total range is probably... I, is that I think close to doable for oh, you. Oh, absolutely. You got to understand, like, the material that we make our gears out of is like $8 a pound. Oh. I can buy material that I make that I can make gears out of for a buck a pound. Hmm. We don't do it because, and here's the funny thing. So we make our gears out of a special, uh, well, it's not that secret. It's called 93, it's 9310. Okay. 9310 is, um, is a super high quality gear material. It handles heavy shock loads for short durations. 9310 is not going to last 100,000 miles on the road. Sure. It will wear out. 8620 is what almost all gear automotive components are made out of. That material is a whole lot cheaper than 9310. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. Like, so substantially, I mean, the, the chunk of aluminum that we start with to make our upright uh, as a one piece, it's an $800 chunk of aluminum. Ouch. Jeez. You know, uh, it's, yeah. it's expensive. So 
moving that to a consumer market, it's not that you're skimping, it's that you don't need that stuff. Right. Hey, you know, if you can re- uh, maintain your factory knuckles Absolutely. And, and have the boxes bolt on, and mm-hmm. again, okay, so so getting, imagine you're doing Quinn's portal setup. You basically need four portals, wheels and tires for whatever your choice is, and then probably a different spring rate, um, possibly, but definitely shocks because you have more unsprung weight. You Why said you need, need another spring rate. I get well, just I'm thinking controlling the additional axle, but I guess you do shock. shock. Yeah, all in on doing complete shock suspension, everything on a high end kit. You could you'll be fifteen. I think you're fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think if you're twenty five hundred a corner to thirty grand a corner, you're probably right in there. I think I can get under ten grand for a full. I mean, that would be amazing, Mm -hmm. honestly. Because what's a let's even go back. Let's go to Curry or Dynatrack or anybody doing a complete axle assembly. Those are those can be eight to ten. So grand anyway. Yeah, and and I want to say like so. Casey Curry's a buddy of mine. Okay. Um, I he told me one time how many axles they build a month, and I damn near (laughs) myself. They do a lot of eight to ten thousand dollar axles yeah. every. I mean, like staggering numbers. And you don't need to do the wow. axle upgrade with yours because it's, it's, you're you're doing the reduction, so yeah. there's not as much force going in right. in through this. So and no, no, we, no, so wait, he's not doing. It's not a race application. It's, no, 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 he's a consumer. No, Curry I'm just talking about Curry Enterprises. Yeah, so right. Curry Curry builds a whole yeah. lot of and. You, have you have you been to that operation? I, I have. It's pretty cool. It's it's amazing. They have a well-oiled machine yeah. out there. It's yeah. pretty cool. Both both Curry and Dynatrack both make amazing yeah. amazing products. Like uh-huh. I, I love working with Jim. Um, I know Casey. Casey and I've been on a few projects and stuff together. Um, well, when I hear Curry, deal. I just think the race products, but they make a lot of. Oh, oh no, dude, they make Curry. Everything. No, no, no. So I mean, when I think of Curry, I think of. The Jeep market. I yeah, mean, absolutely. axles, axles, axles. Yep. Well, and hot rods. I mean, I, yeah, they did a lot. They did like, and then their fabbed axles, their F9s mm-hmm. they were making for a while. They make nine inch curries, which they're kind of known for. They still do the Dana based stuff. I mean, they, there's a lot of choices and selections out yeah. there. And then you can just do center sections with them. I and mean, there's all sorts yeah. of stuff. So, but it's nothing like I, I was kind of a little shocked when guys are eight to 10 grand yeah. for a front, for a front axle and they're selling them like hotcakes. Yeah. Well, I guess it's the economy right now, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of construction guys making good money right now. And yeah. oil guys and, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But I, honestly, I think if you could get that set up for under 10, I think you're right in the wheelhouse. Yeah. I really no, do. No, I know. Yeah. That's so, cool. It's just, you know, and, and again, I've got options. Do I want to put all of my resources? Because, again, if I was... If I was a hundred, if I was a hundred million dollar a year company, I could just throw an entire division at this. Yeah. Um, nope. <laughs> unfortunately, but, but only being million. a fifty million dollar a year yeah. company. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> no, but with with you know a, a dozen guys, um, we have to pick our battles, yeah. and so we're being a lot more cautious about what we're picking. And I still think that the route I want to go is prove it and race because you learn a lot. So. Something interesting, right? Nobody ever wants to talk about failures, right? And nobody wants to talk about failures of products. But to me, when things fail, it's a learning opportunity and it's just a little speed bump on the way to success. So we had an issue where we were we, we were crushing a hub that I've never had a problem with this in seven years of making these. And Jordan is driving this thing on, on that race car to the ragged edge to the point where, you know, he calls me, he's like, hey, I'm 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 breaking the, this aluminum piece. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not tightening it right. No, we are. So I drove out to the desert to go out and see him and he tests and I torque everything the way I want it done. And he goes out and he runs and he comes back and it's loose. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So back to the drawing board. So we do a, we do a redesign on it. We change the thing. We make it out of a different material. We heat treat it. We throw it back on. No issues since. Okay, cool. So you get to learn from that stuff where, mm-hmm. where I, 
where I think that you have to start and race to transition to a consumer market is because, well, several things. One, you can't have that issue in a consumer market. But two, a lot of guys, oh, yeah, I really drive my my stuff hard. No, you don't. No, you no. don't. No, you don't. No, you think you do. <laughs> no, you think you do. Yeah. When when you're doing 95 miles an hour across three foot deep, whoops, yeah. that's driving yeah. hard. Yeah. When you're hucking the vehicle and landing sideways, <laughs> that's driving hard. Yeah. Um, jumping it off uh, off a little ditch, crossing a train tracks, that's not driving not hard. Not a big deal, yeah. Um, so you learn a lot from race. And then you take what you learn, you transition it, and a lot of that is, wow, we've never had an issue here. Let's try to downsize that a little bit. Or, ooh, this doesn't really work. Well, we could probably substitute it with this material to transition it to a more commercial market. So you learn a lot in the race, and I think that if you... Or, or you learn a lot just talking to Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you want to transition, if you want to develop a product for commercial use, you've got to really abuse it, and nobody abuses stuff more than racers. So if you uh, want to find out more, head over to 74weld.com. And yep. on Instagram, you have an awesome Instagram page. Thank you. At 74weld. There's some really, if you are into like machinist eye candy, you want to uh, go check out his page. There's well, a lot so of really I, so cool you, stuff you, on there. You're weld porn? Yeah, well porn. Well, <laughs> a lot of well porn. We, we, Actually, it's machine porn. It's mostly oh. machining. Well, it's not mostly machining. Still, I would say that 6, 70 per, 60, 70% of my shop is still fab. It's yeah. just all the fab we do. I specifically sign that. stuff yeah. where yeah. we're you not allowed to take pictures it. of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the machining stuff, well, most a lot of that we can't. We, we do what get he can to, share, he does. <laughs> yes, what we <laughs> can share, we do. At and 74 Well on Instagram. Yeah, it's, it's and we share a, a lot of our own, our own products and some of the stuff we do for others as well. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you uh, making the uh, trek up here to our crappy little studio. No, it's been fun, man. And, it's been uh, awesome. Yeah, this is your first time doing next, a podcast? Next time you're yes. up here, we'll, we'll have beer. Beer and pizza. How about that? Beer, beer sounds good. Yeah. 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 We, we like beer. Or I like we'll pizza. come down there and see you. That wouldn't be a bad. Because that would be yeah. fun. That would be cool. Actually, like all joking aside, well, because uh, we got to go down, room. not nuts, but we have to go down in Ted Moncure's plane. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not far from from you. I realize well, you fly into Gillespie Field, uh, into Chula. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Ted, who used to be at TRD, does all the engineering now for uh, Transamerica, but he oh. lives in Long Beach. So Ted from Long Beach Racers. So okay. you probably p- cross paths with him at some point. He flies from Long Beach to Chula. That's his commute every day. So I keep telling him I want to come. You know, he flies every day. Every day. Every day. He's got a. Uh, he just sold his Mooney for Landcare. That's and, so badass. And he's like, yeah, hop in the plane. And so, but now his new plane's a two seater, so you can't come. He just he just posted a picture. Uh, I think it was today or yesterday. He was coming back from an event. I uh-huh. forget where it was. And it was and it was son was sitting co pilot sleeping completely <laughs> sleeping with his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ted always takes some cool pictures and stuff yeah. on 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 his deal too. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'd love to come down to the shop. So I'd love to show it to you. We uh, we can bring the uh, the mobile stuff and uh, come walk around because. The cool thing is you can talk about all these parts and nobody can see it. So technically your NDA would be, you know. Yeah. Ah, sure. True. Hey, I'm, huh? hol- I'm holding a piece of metal. I'm missing. Wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Thank you very much. Uh, well, till next that. time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah. Thanks, Quinn. So much good stuff out of Quinn. Dang, that dude. Yeah, man. I uh, I did realize that we had so many like people we knew in common. And we I- just talked to Quinn for two hours. Yeah, you probably could have got another two or three more. We we definitely got to go down there so we can see what he's working on because it sounds like a pretty cool shop. Because he's there. not going to share it on the air. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think he has a stack of paperwork yeah, like I do. Exactly. So, All right, five star hotline six five seven two zero five sixty one zero five. Let's hit it. Oh come on and be part of the show. Call the five star hotline six five seven two zero five six.
<laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. We were a little late. I don't know what day that was, but uh, we were that was, little... uh, episode fifty-eight that we released Monday afternoon. Yeah, because you were that. sick, and uh, there was one stupid edit, and you needed to do it, and you had gone to bed. Yeah, we don't. We're not allowed to have potty words out because we're uh, clean. We're clean. It's yeah. a clean one. So I was deathly ill, and Holman texted me late at night. He goes, oh, it's just this one edit. I go, I'm not getting out of bed, dude. You just can't have to wait. So sorry about that. Yeah. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? <laughs> we need to know. Hey, Jabooby, have you heard what's new in trucks? <laughs> no, oh man. Tell me, what's new? <laughs> well, the EPA most recently released new regulation that says all trucks must be unibody and they must have front and rear independent suspension. And they are powered by Prius power plants with a maximum of 100 foot-pounds of torque. Oh, no! Oh, man, that's terrible news! Jaboobly, don't worry. As soon as we wake up out of this nightmare that includes not having the Trump Show podcast released Monday morning, <laughs> the EPA will lift these regulations, and then Ford is going to release their new 2020 HD, and they're going to have 10 solid axles, 3,000 foot-pans of torque, and to compete with Ram's new HD interior and all that leather. They're going to skip <laughs> all those steps, and it just comes with a cow in the back seat. <laughs> the whole cow. Oh, my God, that's the trick. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> You're really funny, dude, and you're welcome to call in any time. Just come on the show. I love Repl- how replace lightning. I love how Holman is. Ah, oh, ah, ah, oh. You're all over the place, like, and you're like, Hi, and then, oh, I'm, I'm super lightning. high. Yeah, <laughs> I'm lightning. TJ Tweeter. Yeah, he was pretty close. That I do have a really high funny. squeaky voice that I always apologize oh, for. Oh man, that was funny. Well, that was good. You're uh, please do call in again. Uh, let's see. Oh, did he call? I think he has one, one more. Let's see what this one says. You email. I email. Everybody email. Hey, Jabooby. Time for my favorite segment. What's that, homie? That's what we read an email. Oh, great. Did you print them out? No, I thought you printed them out. <laughs> That's true. Oh, I didn't print them out. I thought you printed them out. Oh, no, nobody printed them out. Oh, I found one here. It's from our friend, Trevor. And he says, <laughs> I want to tell you about a time that I woke up and had a nightmare. It was... So scary. It was a Monday morning, and I got in my car to drive the hour, fifteen minute work commute, and there was no trivia podcast. Oh my god, it was so terrible. <laughs> okay, okay. He can easily replace us. He's doing a one man show. So next time we're late, should we just call him since we have his number and have him do a fill in? Hell yeah, bonus episode. <laughs> Hi, this is Jabubli and Holman, and the show's delayed. Oh my, but it will be coming later today. I think we do. Yes. Hey, what's going on, guys? I uh, saw your post about the new five-star hotline, and I've been listening to the channel for quite some time. I have a custom-built 2005 Chevrolet Silverado Duramax. It's, uh, right now, it's probably the only one in the world that I know is an actual solid axle swap, twin-turbo, ZF6 manual truck. I haven't been wow. able to locate another one. Very cool. Um, got a pretty... Uh, been doing the build on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, they're both Duramax underscore diesel if you want to check it out. 
it'd be cool to just talk to you guys, see what you guys think. Uh, I I don't know if you guys said you were in California. I'm in San Diego. Um, but, yeah, I definitely love the show, guys. Keep up the great work, and uh, let me know if you guys have any questions about it. It's been a fun build, and it's still got a long way to go, but it's uh, definitely a unique truck. Talk to you guys later. I love it. So a ZF manual. Yep. Manual Trans Duramax. That's pretty badass. Uh, he didn't leave his name, so we don't know what to call him. No, but we but do have his number. We should, yeah, we should uh, see. Uh, I'd be interested to know more about it. Uh, I'm going to definitely check that out. So uh, Duramax underscore diesel on Instagram. So we'll check that out, and uh, maybe we'll uh, reach out to you. Hey there, uh, Jabuble and uh, Hubba Bubba, whatever y'all's names is. Hubba Bubba. Figured I'd call you and tell you I got one of them new fancy iPhones I got on there and I'm going to give you a five-star review. Hey! Nice. Uh, you know, I really love the show, guys. Love what you're doing. Uh, figured I'd tell you all a little story about you know five years ago I was working down at the local auto parts store. And a guy comes walking in there and he says, I need to get me a new dipstick for my old 7.3 Power Stroke. I said, okay. We looked that up, got him that dipstick, and he come back a couple hours later, and he was living with me. I gave him the wrong part. So we look it up in the computer, and I told him, man, this is what it's calling for. And he says, no, man, I put it in there, and it's not even long enough to touch the oil. <laughs> and I started laughing, and he, he got even mad. He goes, what are you laughing at? I said, nothing, dipstick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that he was a quart low. Yep, maybe two quarts. Might want to put some in there, is all I'm saying. Yeah, maybe just uh, probably a couple quarts <laughs> of it didn't even show up on the dipstick. Nope. I'm catching up on episodes, and I was about to be ready to do a five-star review until I get to episode 41 and 42, where you read Cole Pruitt's email on both of those episodes. So now I have to reset my five stars Aww. and start all over. At Blomdog on Instagram. Oh. So wait, we read the same email on two shows? I can totally see that happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Typically we print them out and then we throw them behind us in the trash can so that we don't read them again. But sometimes if we get busy and we have a week where we don't get a chance to print them out, it's like, uh, do you remember where we stopped last well, week? Oh, and we, we don't flag them to say like we, we really read should. them. Like there's no organization <laughs> there, there at all. Uh, and, and we suck. So we're going to have to... Uh, we're going to have to uh, you know what? earn our five stars for him. This is what he deserves. We are deeply sorry. We are. Mm-hmm. We're sorry. So, so sorry. We're sorry. Really sorry. We're sorry. Well, we'll do better next time. I don't think there's any recovering from that, Here's though. the problem. That was episode 41 and 42. We're at 59. Yeah. How many more times do you think we did that? He's going to find like four uh, more like no, that. No, it hasn't been that often. Uh, I don't I think hope we, so. I feel pretty good about it. But listen, we had one guy point out that we didn't get the episode up on time, which we, yeah. we admit. And then we read an email twice. <laughs> on like, Dude, suckage meter pinning right now. Oops. Yeah. Oops. All right. Well, let's. we got a couple other ones here. Let's see if it gets any better. Lightning and Holman. Your guys' podcast, can't get enough of it. Beginning, I was wondering, what the heck am I listening to? And now I'm singing along to it and just can't get enough of it. You guys are awesome. Give you five stars. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Just a little tidbit for you guys. Never take a sleeping pill and a laxative (laughs) at the same time. You guys have a good one. Keeping it real. Hmm. All right, so no laxatives and sleeping pills at the same time. Uh, Good thing I'm not... 20 and at a party anymore <laughs> because I'm all my passed out friends that would be uh, playing that joke on. Hey guys, good morning. Do you know what today is? Today is March 8th. 
only it's not 2018 anymore. It's actually March 8th, 2019. And that means happy one-year anniversary episode. In any case, guys, love the show. Love, love, love the show. Listen to every episode at least twice. What? Because well, I just can't get enough. And you know what? Sometimes the longer the show, the better. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys are enjoying the show because we, the fans, sure enjoy listening and hearing about all things trucks and all the antics and fun in between. So we hope that you guys are uh, ready for the next year because I think we are. Thanks again, guys. Love you. Take care. Well, wow, that's uh, yeah, that's the most heartfelt. I'm gonna. We should end nice. it right there. No yeah. more. Let's not play anymore because they're not going to get any better. No, no. Just Do you think go that? Downhill. I'm pretty sure that probably recovered us on the suckage. I think we're halfway now instead of pinging at eleven. Mm, no, no, seven. No. no. Uh, where are we? So at, at a at ten is maximum suckage. Uh huh. We're still at eight and a half. All right. Well, still brought it down from eleven. So. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks so much for uh, leaving messages and keep them coming on the five star hotline. Five star. Five star. Five star. or just go to at truck show podcast on Instagram and click the call button. And what is your what's your computer doing over there? It's is it letting you know that we have another one in already? Yeah, it just showed me there's another voicemail just came in. <laughs> I guess we'll have to play that one next week. Okay, perfect. All right, so it is time for what's new in trucks. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Oh, oh yeah, that was pretty good. Right? Yeah, I felt good. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was all right. So I like uh, purged some of that suckage, you know, because we had good synchronicity right there. What do you got, Holman? Did you see that post up at uh, trucktrend.com and fourwheeler.com? Nope. It's the uh, <laughs> Bronco Mule. A bronco mule. Well, they're combining two animals? What's happening yes, here? Yes, it's a half bronco, <laughs> half mule. You know, Guess which side of that horse you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know which side I am. So basically, uh, the first prototypes of the new bronco have been spotted driving around Michigan, and it is a Ranger extended cab. Did Brett Evans get the photo? Uh, nope, it was our friends over at KGP Photography. Happened to be in the right spot at the right time, and okay. it is a uh, Ranger extended cab with literally a three-foot bed on the back. What? Yeah, so wait, the, wait, spin it this way. Oh, so, what is the? What is that? So it's the weirdest looking thing you've ever seen. Um, it's It's got a little camper shell. That is, is ridiculous looking. Uh, but here's the thing about it. Um, I haven't been able to- That's a Bronco? That's the mule. So the underpinnings are what is being tested. Okay. And I have to tread lightly here because I can't talk about certain things. But since this is out in the open, all of the people who wanted to know- Solid axle or independent front suspension? Yeah. It is answered. Can you guess? Can you guess? Can you guess the thing? All right, so let me guess. Is uh-huh. it solid axle or IFS? Uh, it's not solid axle. <laughs> not on this prototype. All right, okay. Uh, and it's interesting. You know how when you follow a big like a pusher diesel RV down the highway? Yes. And they have like the uh, the broom like little, I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what you call it. This, yeah, this, well, it's like a yeah, it's like a broom fringe. I don't know to keep the rocks from kicking up, right? Yes. Well, uh, Ford on the mule has used that in order to hide the rear axle so that you can't see the configuration of the shocks or what the suspension is in the back. It's got to look ridiculous from the ass end. Uh, it just has a uh, looks like there's a broom hanging off the it bottom. Sure of It sure does. So uh, I can't really say much more than that. But if you want to, uh, f- I don't know. 
figure out some pieces of the puzzle, then head on over to trucktrend.com or fourwheeler.com and check out the photos for yourself. There's about 10 of them up there of the uh, upcoming Bronco. Should be IFS cool. is what you're saying. Uh, that's what the photo shows. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so we got some new uh, news out of uh, the NTEA work truck show from uh, last week. Is that the world's longest truck show ever? Uh, no, that was our last episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ford has announced that they're doing a, a new F600 Super Duty chassis cap. F600? So if you think wait, about it. Wait, a... so you got a, you got a 350, uh-huh. a 450, uh-huh. a 550, uh-huh. a 650. Why are they splitting hairs between? Be- I, I, because hmm. that is where... The uh, medium duty trucks start with the bigger, the the taller bodies. Right. And... So which is it? Is it the medium? Is it so? It's six fifty capability. Okay. Plus the ability to have four wheel drive, but in a five fifty body. How'd they pull that off? Well, so the frame and chassis has been upgraded, but it keeps the smaller body on it. So basically, uh, it's easier to drive. Or if you're in like a severe service vocation, like forestry or snow removal, you can get that twenty two thousand pound gross vehicle weight rating. Mm-hmm. But in the smaller body of a 550. So they're calling it the F600. It looks like it'll come with uh, the uh, the new 7.3 gas as an option. Okay. 6.2 gas to start. Okay. The uh, new Power Stroke 6.7. And uh, we'll be backed by the uh, 10-speed automatic. That will be available as well. And it'll have a uh, PTO provision, which will uh, offer up to 300 pound-feet of torque for uh, anything you want to drive off the uh, off of PTO. What's a uh, PTO? Power takeoff. Power takeoff. Yep. So it's a basically a uh, think of it as like an extra drive shaft off of the uh, drivetrain where you can hook up tools. So maybe something that's you know. Uh, where does this come out of the vehicle? It's underneath the vehicle, okay. and you hook it up to your service body. It can run like your your cherry picker or your dump bed or something oh, like that. Rad. Yeah. So anyway, um, that will be uh, on the new F six hundred. It's funny because the badges are sort of funny. You're like you're always used to seeing a Ford F five fifty F six. Right. This yeah. Is, Ford six F six hundred and it just looks wrong. Let me see. There you go. It does <laughs> look wrong because the two zeros it's F because it's vertical. The yeah. F six hundred. You look weird. And it just is odd looking with the two zeros there. It's uh, uh it's a little bit uh, a little bit strange. I think it'll grow on me. But, I think uh, it's cool. I think it's it makes not a like lot I would sense. ever own one. I mean, I don't know what I would do with that. Unless you wanted to own a dump truck, yeah. <laughs> by the by the way, speaking of uh, what's new in trucks, uh, mm-hmm. I heard a vicious rumor. And what rumor are you talking about, my friend? Uh, well, I uh, I did look on your Instagram and I saw your truck, except it was in the snowy part oh, of the region. Oh yes, I sold the dually. Uh, I sold it to a couple in Minnesota, and oh yeah, hold on, we should give me... we should be cheering for that, yeah, right? Yeah, here we go. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm uh, pretty happy about that. Your uh, truck looked perfectly at home, uh, white truck in the white snow. It was, yeah, it was like a stormtrooper, except it didn't have black wheels. Uh, it was storming when it got there. It was storming. Yeah, that's the only picture that uh, they sent that to me when it arrived. And I, I a big shout to Jesse at Watch This Freight. So if you, you're going down the road and you see a really cool Ram pulling a gooseneck trailer and it says WTF, it's not what the, <laughs> it's Watch This Freight. And, and By Jesse the way, really came through for me on this one. Big ass trailer. Yeah, big ass Your trailer. Your truck was dwarfed on top of that trailer. Yes. Well, so so Jesse actually he typically pulls with a Ram. This one was a big rig. Yeah. So he's got a full semi to pull this thing. Awesome. We should and, have him on. Uh, I would love to because I knew nothing about. Yeah, you know, I, I towed some trucks and cars to Vegas for SEMA sure. over the years, but never had to go across country. And I, so I asked all these questions and really knowledgeable. And, and it occurred to me that yeah, he might be a good guest because a lot of people 
buy cars from out of state and whatnot yeah. or sell and, and would have questions. So we'll get him on. But So I sold the truck. We started talking to this couple about, uh, I don't know, two two weeks ago or so, and they found me through Auto Trader. Of oh, all. is that where they found yeah, it? Yeah, So I was going to ask you where you ended up ultimately selling it because I'm always curious about where people were. And you know it. what? And I, I, I called my, my, my girl at Auto Trader and said, you know, I'm not getting many calls. Did we... Did I did I use the wrong language in the ad? What did I do? Is the wrong picture? Blah blah. And she goes, No, you know the truck what? sucks. And, and she, well, no, it didn't <laughs> suck. It was, but it just it was it's a very unique vehicle. Yeah, I was trying to get top dollar for it. All the things that were you know kind of working against me. And uh, she's like, Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch it to the top and give you an extra placement and cool. you throw some other stuff in it. And it works. And, well, and sure so enough, shout out for uh, Auto Trader. Yeah. So, so are you sure enough? Are you taking your money and looking at new things in Auto Trader? Uh... Hmm. See, that's a, that's a Where tough Where does one. Lightning go next? What does Lightning drive next? Yeah. Well, I I'm not sure. So I this may surprise you. I think I have ruled out a new Chevy. What? I think I have. You were at one point in your life literally one beer away from having a bow tie tattooed on you. Yes. Damn near close. And wow. it, now I still I still. Love I still love GM products without question. I just think right now, and being a part of this show and listening to you and driving them, I am now torn between the Ford and the Ram. If I'm going to do a full size, but I will say that the Gladiator, I am. Oh. It, it is really unique, and I haven't. I've, I, I, I. Sorry if I'm sounding like a broken record. I've never owned a Jeep product. I've never owned a topless uh, vehicle, surprisingly. Okay. My wife has owned a couple convertibles. Yep. I have never owned a convertible. And it's, I guess it's not, it's technically invertible. You wouldn't call the Jeep a convertible, All but right. it is. Well, you no, know, it's convertible. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask our listeners to uh, suggest new project vehicles for you. Okay. And see, uh, see what they think. So uh, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email and uh, tell us what the heck Lightning should build next for his project. And actually, that's a really good segue into uh, Inbox. Yes, please. You email. Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. You're dancing. It, it just never, ever gets old. That's why we've got to do a live show at some point. <laughs> Here's the deal. We do this show after our day job. It's late at night in the studio, You're and it wakes me up. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm excited again. That always uh, brings me back. All right, so we have email. Yeah. Just like the freaking, <laughs> that's like the guy said when he called. He's like, uh, "Did you print out the email? Did you print out the email? Did you print out the email? No, no one Nobody printed out the, out the freaking email. email. Right, here we go. We're gonna so go. So wait, quick. you get to read it all now? Well, yeah, because Some I read faster sauce. than you. All right, hold, and you're tired. You most certainly do not read faster than I do. <laughs> all right, this I'm is... going to go and I'm going to find some email. I'm just going to log in real quick here. All right. Well, while you're doing that, uh, I'm going to start with uh, Sam here. He says, hey, guys, love the show. Love the interviews. I'm looking forward to the mini truck episode. I hope you bring Mike back for it, even though I don't like mini trucks, but I love the quality information. Doesn't like mini trucks. But he wants to hear about them. Wow. Okay. Anyway, he says- We're all in. Yeah. He says, I look forward to every Monday to listen to the new podcast. I just got some high octane coffee. Absolutely delicious. No way. Yeah, so we, we uh, so it looks like we hocked some coffee while uh, we were doing our uh, Lone Star <laughs> Isode. Everything's in Isode now. No, no, we can't just um, it can't every uh, nothing. Uh, no, we got to stop with the Isode <laughs> thing. Just seriously, just anyway, stop. Uh, he says, "I uh, would love a T-shirt and sticker. Please open a merchandise store so he can buy one." Actually, just so you guys know, we're actually working on that right now, and uh, we will. Uh, 
We are? Yes, we are. I didn't know that. Yeah, working with our merchandising uh, group inside uh, our company and trying to get us uh, some shirts. Uh, you mean that designs? Motor Trend where uh-huh. people know what they're doing? Uh, something like that, okay. yeah. <laughs> I've, I've somehow convinced somebody internally who actually wants to help us make T-shirts and wow. sell them to our guys. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, we do have some, but not enough. Well, we got to send a lot Oh, out. can we do the designs that your designer made for us, like the Nissan Grill and those ones and stuff? Yeah. Oh, really? That's going to happen? Well, maybe. I don't. I don't want to. All right, so let's not it. jinx it. We'll just yeah, move just, on. Just know that we're okay. working on it. All right, so this one's from Ozzy. He says it's a good day when I get this notification on my phone. See attached, and then I click on the attached, and it is a picture. It's a screen grab of his wallpaper on his phone. Oh, look at the notification. And in the middle of it, it says "new episode from the Truck Show Podcast." Yes. Yes. You know what's sweet. funny is uh, when I upload the episodes, I always love seeing that that it made it to my phone. I'm like, okay, good, it went up. Yeah. No, I don't see it because I don't subscribe to us. So anyway, <laughs> you should probably do that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You do, you guys do a great job on the show, especially when you talk diesel. My rides are a 2005 diesel excursion, 2005 2500 Dodge powered by a Cummins, and a 2015 TDI Golf Sport Wagon. Wow, he's all about diesel. Yeah, he is. Uh, pictures to come soon. Keep up the great shows. And happy one-year podiversary. Hey, I like that. <laughs> I wonder how he's able to keep his TDI Golf Sport Wagon because they tried to buy all those back. I don't know. We we might need to speak with him. Funny story about that. When I was the editor of Diesel Power, that was going to be my very next long-term vehicle. The Golf Sport Wagon TDI was built, was shipped, made it to California to the media fleet. The very next, uh, I think either day or two, was supposed to be delivered to the offices, and that was going to be my long-termer. Okay. Where did it end up? Uh, I got a phone call and said, we have been asked to hold all diesels from... Media fleets and testing until further notice. Right. And as you know. So I wonder where it actually physically showed up. Volkswagen kept it and the rest is history. They went through the lawsuit and they bought back as many cars as they could. And wow. I was disappointed because I was really looking forward and to that. And where are all those cars They're today? all sitting in a lot. There's a giant lot. And I can't remember where. It might be in a couple cities where they're just stacked full of them. Oh my lord! Oh, hundreds and, and thousands, you, and of you cars. just can't buy them. You can't. They're just nope. all going to waste. Just, just they're metal going to waste. Just rotting away. Oh, that's until sucks. they figure out what to do. That's all perfectly good cars. Yeah, you know it's funny. We we talk about the the diesel emissions, right? Yeah, maybe they were a little dirtier than advertised, but I got I think fifty one or fifty two miles per gallon in the TDI Passat I had for a long term mm-hmm. at diesel power. Wow! And I mean, when you're saving that kind of fuel, the label on it was forty. So I got over 10 miles per gallon better than what the label said. I made it from Huntington Beach, California to Parachute, Colorado, 798 miles in one tank. Oh, my That was my record. I was trying to get 800, but I had the light on for a while, and I was like, uh, you know, Kramer in that Seinfeld episode was on the test drive with the light. Right. And it was 2 in the morning, and I was lucky to roll into the the gas station that I found because I I didn't think I was going to make it. So I almost hit 800 on one tank. How how much waste? A lot of waste is in those parking lots. It just makes me sad, man. Yeah. Anyway, um, Robert writes Lieberman comments on Ferrari people, and he says, "Lightning and Holman, I love the show, guys. I drive a 18 Sierra SLT. Would love if you guys could bring on some guests to talk a little bit more about performance upgrades. You guys should reach out to guys at Black Bear Performance or similar. I know that a lot of GM and Jeep guys use their services to get incredible results from just a basic tune. Black Bear." Yeah, I haven't heard of them. Okay. Uh, I come from the Desert People Group and just sold my 04 Silverado with the Blitzkrieg Motorsports 4x4 Long Travel Kit. Bad ass with one of those two. Blitzkrieg. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, which was fantastic. I love that truck, but climbing over roll cage in a suit and tie to go to work every day gets really old. 
He says, on a side note, I was just listening to the Lieberman podcast and absolutely loved his comment about Ferrari owners. My parents live in a nice gated community in Laguna Beach, and there is this dude who lives a few houses down who owns two of them, a 488 and a California. And by the way, people will tell you, uh, in Ferrari circles, California is not a real Ferrari. Okay. Uh, anyway, I can't tell you how many times he's done things fitting the exact description that Lieberman explained. I'd be curious to know what Lieberman thinks of Maserati owners. My stepdad has Maserati Gran Turismo S. Sweet car. And I'm curious to see if there's a stereotype associated with that. Keep up the good work. And that's from our friend Rob. I don't think that there's a stereotype associated with Maseratis. I think Maseratis are, there are too few of them and they're far too trendy. That was it. Trendy? That's, you know, way, way trendy. At least, well, in LA, they're, yeah. they're, they're trendy. You know, it's like, it's like a Range Rover. This one's from uh, Daniel. Greetings from Alberta, Lightning and Holman. Just discovered your podcast today and I've been hooked. Very much appreciate the wealth of information and commentary after having grown frustrated with the podcast from the more general automotive websites and YouTube channels. Growing up, I came from a Ford family. I have fond memories of my father's 1979 Bronco, very much anticipating the new Bronco, mostly because of the nostalgia factor. I'm not one to demand solid axles or a V8. I don't really care either way, but I'm hoping that the rumors of the seven-speed manual are true. Hoping to hear on the podcast your thoughts on the Bronco. Thanks for an awesome show. Left you to a five-star review on iTunes. Five stars! Nice. And that's cheers from Dan W. And to answer your question? <laughs> oh, you know? You dick. Really? Again? I, um, You can't say about the manual trans. Can't even talk anything about that. That's, well, then, uh, all right. Just move that. on then. All right. Eric... Uh, writes us another Johnny Lieberman email. It says, started listening to your latest episode and was shocked when Johnny said that gas engines tie you down and that electric vehicles are so much better. Does he not understand batteries and what it takes to produce these huge battery packs and also the power plants to produce the electricity to recharge? I feel like he is truly dreaming of his own utopia. Not reality. Just he thinks he's heard and thinks will be swell. Exhaust coming out of a modern diesel is cleaner than the air going into the intake. We'll run out of fossil fuels for sure, but his concept of green energy is right there with AOC. He's extremely knowledgeable in vehicle statistics, but he should have stopped there. I'm sure he'll enjoy his Fiesta skinny jeans and green energy, <laughs> but that's just not the Truck Show podcast. Eric. Nice. And Eric, her Eric here's the deal. Uh, we try and have a diverse range of uh, people and topics. And we had a points. great time with him. Yeah, no, Johnny's awesome. And uh, yeah, we, we knew that we weren't going to see eye to eye on everything. And we knew that he loves cars, but he also has some great insight into the industry and trucks. And so, uh, you know, we got to have all kinds. Because you know, he, it's uh, good. It challenges all of us to think of new things. He is. So it's interesting with him. He looks at cars m like more of, an, of a utility than, than I think we do. Even though he knows everything about cars, he could he runs circles around me when it comes to automotive knowledge. Circles. All day long, every day. Oh, yeah. And you guys even spar back and forth. He's really, really knowledgeable. Super smart guy. But he's able to disassociate himself from vehicles. Like you and I, we get, we fall in love with our cars. I don't feel like he has that love affair with cars the way that we do. He has a love affair with cars. He doesn't have the love affair with a specific vehicle, I don't think. Okay. You know well, I mean? like, like okay, he's a car enthusiast. He loves cars. Yes. He loves trucks. He loves all anything mechanical. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily have that one that maybe You know what it is? He's not he's not he doesn't seem materialistic in the way that we sure. are. And and that's so he's able to say, "Oh, I owned a car then I sold it or I drive a Fiesta and it's just transpo and it's fun." But to me, I don't know. I get really so I sold my dualies we just talked about, and I was, 
I have to just pretend, I just have to move on. Because otherwise, if I dwell on it, I'll get really sad. Because I have so much of myself invested in that. And he doesn't seem like the kind of person that would invest himself in a vehicle in that way. And I think a lot of our listeners invest themselves yeah. in their vehicles. It's just a, it's a different kind of love of vehicles, you know? Like it's, there's nothing I'm, not, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, I'm saying no. it's different. And, and I didn't agree with everything Johnny said. I'm sure he didn't agree with everything we said, but he's a great guest. It was awesome having him in studio. And hey, we'll keep challenging ourselves and you guys by bringing in people that have diverse viewpoints. I think it's, I think it's good for all of us. So. I agree. This one is from Matt Doyle. And he says, gents, I've been listening since day one. I wrote in over the summer and you guys read my email while I was overseas for work. It was really a great motivational boost. Well, you're welcome. I said it in my first email and I'll say it again. This podcast outshines crawl in every way every day and twice on sunday nice i just deleted the wednesday version of carcast from my library matt the moderator has some learning to do from y'all wow, wow. what but we gotta have matt in here and read that email them <laughs> some fighting words right there the inf- information you guys provide has been great best of all is the back and forth between the two of you there's never a dull moment One of the two podcasts I do not have to use the skip ahead button for. The other one is not about cars or trucks. Oh, I'm curious what the other one is. I want to know what else you guys are listening to. Is it like murder porn or something? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Um, Or it's like how it's made, one of those guys. Maybe. I never did get my T-shirt from my first email and my five-star review, but it's all good. Once again, five stars. All right, so here's the thing. Um, Matt, you did put your Virginia address in here, and I will personally mail one to you. Uh, If we remember. Uh, no, I will. Okay, awesome. I'm lying right now. I won't remember. <laughs> no, I will. I will. I'm going to try. Matt, I'm going to try. Okay, so one of the things we talked about when Johnny was in here is I told everybody that when I was a kid in daycare, there was this video game, and it was how to design a car, and you could do like different- Don't tell me someone found Two it. Two people. No way. Yes, and you can play it online right now through an emulator. Okay. Okay, so he writes Wait, back- Wait, do you have to get it download something? This is Adam, it? and he says, I played that in daycare too- it's called Car Builder for ME DOS 5.25 inch floppy disks. Oh. And I went, and that is the exact program. And I remember as a kid, I could never get past the racetrack simulator because the computer would crash. I played this for about two hours the other night on the emulator, and it was it was brilliant. And it was awesome, and it was frustrating because it's all arrow up, arrow down, side to side. But if you Google Car Builder for ME DOS, you can play it through the uh, the the emulator, and it was it brought it was everything now, I remembered. Are you, you kind of like looking, you know, the, the, through uh, rose colored glasses? Yeah, and, and then you play it, and you're like, yeah. But it's actually re- wah, wah, wah. no, no. It's it's harder than you think because there's lots of steps to get to the final thing, and there's lots of things to change, and like the outcome is make a, the most powerful, balanced, aerodynamic vehicle that you can with the fastest time and high speed around the test track. And it's I, I can't explain it to you otherwise other than just go Google is this like, Car is this Builder eight like bit like yes. really really basic yes. okay but it's awesome does it have awesomely bad music uh no it just has that DOS beep when you do something wrong oh, but here's really? what's cool about it is it's not nothing cool like that I I will tell you for probably twenty freaking years no it's been more than that probably thirty years now. I have wondered what the name of the stupid game was and if it would ever cross paths in my lifetime. And what is it called again? Car Builder. Car Builder. And I found it thanks to Adam, and I played it, 
and my heart is full and happy, <laughs> and I can cross that off my bucket list. So thanks to the Truck Show podcast listeners, you have filled a dark, <laughs> musty, cobweb-infested corner of my soul and my being. I feel like I can carry You guys on. can't see that he's glowing oh, right no, now. No, seriously, That's like, ridiculous. this is one of those things, like, I feel like a mystery has been uh, solved. It's, it's like you just went on a first date uh-huh. and it was spectacular. So, you actually made out. You I, know what I mean? I wrote Adam an email back thanking him. I go, that was exactly it. And then I, I can't remember the other listener they, on social, he called it out. I'm like, yeah, okay. we found it awesome. But Adam wrote, no problem, dude. I knew it instantly when you mentioned it. I'm a bit younger than you guys, but I also went to a daycare with old computers. <laughs> says, uh, keep up the podcast. Been listening since the first episode. And Mounted Parameter. Oh, my gosh. So. Wait, I wasn't prepared. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> monitor, key, engine, parameter. So, Adam, my hero, buddy. Thank oh, you so much. That is a great way to end the show right there. Happiness. Oh, my gosh. So, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Please send us a note to truckshowpodcast.com at gmail.com The Truck Show The Truck Show The Truck Show oh, oh. And don't forget to hit us up on our socials at Truck Show Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter where we have 32 followers and don't really give a crap uh, <laughs> at Truck Podcast No, we are definitely not Twitter guys <laughs> no. Hey, and a, sh- a huge shout out to uh, Nissan, 5 year 100,000 mile warranty, the best in the business on the new Titan, you gotta check out the new XD if you can, it Badass truck. Five liter Cummins. Oh, gotta love that. And don't forget to check out our buddy. Wait, hold on, stop. <laughs> if you're gonna talk about decked, I, I I don't want you. I need Billy Bargain. Billy Bargain, bring it in. <laughs> He's stretching. All right, Billy Bargain just walked into the room. Hey, if you got yourself a nice Nissan Tiger Tot next year, I bet you got a bunch of stuff that is rolling around the bed. There's only one way to solve that, and that's with a deck system from our friends over at deck.com. That's right. You get a two-drawer locking, sliding, weatherproof, dustproof, can carry 2,000 pounds. How many drawers? 2,000 pounds with two drawers. They pull out, they slide in, they're smooth, they're on like Swiss berries. I don't even know what Swiss berries are, but they must be good. Check out deck.com. Your eye almost bled. <laughs> oh, my God. Now there goes my voice again. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks for doing that. I loves me some Billy Bargain. Well, you know what I love? I loves me some uh, you know show podcast listeners. You know what's strange is that, um, like, growing up, I was always doing silly, stupid voices and whatnot, and, and here I am, and I, and, I, and, I, and I team up with a podcast co-host, and you do the voices. It's just, uh, uh, just odd one. and what, interesting. Uh, just one? Do we need to have other ones? No, I, Billy Bargain is all it. I need. This, it. Billy Bargain's all I need. Can can Billy say goodbye to our, uh, our listeners for the show? Well, hold on. <laughs> He's got to stand back up. Pushing the I chair can't back. do Billy Bargain sitting down. All right, yeah. Feel the music. Feel the music. Truck Show Podcast <laughs> listeners, that's right, I'm saying goodbye, and that's me, Billy Morgan, just telling you goodbye, good night, signing off, good morning, good day, thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, share the show, give us a link, and do the five-star hotline, five stars! <laughs>